gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, we're just starting up here uh, really early. And as, again, as you guys know, the Zoom window is kind of a goofy, awkward thing. So I just kind of talk for a little bit until I basically hand it off to Dee here. Dee, go ahead, tell people what you can and do. Welcome, everybody. This show is for educational and entertainment purposes only. You have to be 21 and older. If not, you have to leave. Thank you very much, Dee. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, as I can say, uh, first of all, welcome to... Uh, why is my chat not working? Hold on. They're telling me something. Moderators can support your channel in more ways. Shut the fuck up. I don't need that right now. It's always the best when when something like new comes at you uh, right in the middle mm-hmm. of having to do something. Anyway, welcome, folks. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I told Romulan Genetics we have to do this whole disclaimer and stuff before we start. So, by the way, everyone remember not to swear for like the first 10 minutes because that's apparently a new thing that we have to do now. We swear like sailors on this show and we're kind of bad at it. But every time okay. we do the show, uh, thing, it's just it's just 10 minutes, right? Exactly right. After 10 minutes, you can, you can go ham. That's exactly right. Exactly. Because I think you, you you mentioned you were in the military. So I'm going to have a really hard time. By nature. Exactly. By nature. Speak that way. All right. I have so many windows open now that I need to find the actual window that has the, I was just going to swear again. It's not that one either. Uh, it is one of these windows that has all the disclaimers that I have to read now. So first of all, ladies and gentlemen, this show is uh, not about cannabis. If you thought it was about cannabis, you're wrong. Uh, we used to talk about uh, cannabis on this show, but then we got better. Uh, mainly because we knew that, uh, or we've learned that the show could get uh, deleted and stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, we no longer talk about real cannabis on the show. Uh, whenever we talk about actual cannabis, you should assume we're not talking about cannabis. We're either talking about perfectly legal hemp or uh, the perfectly legal product that I have now made for uh, television purposes, basically. It's called Hollywood Magic Cannabis with a K. Turns out that might even not be patentable, so I might have to do cannabis with a K-H. We're working on it, ladies. Oh, and don't forget the dollar sign at the end to show to the investors. By the way, looking for investors right now. Uh, So all the weed on the show, ladies and gentlemen, is not actual weed. So, for example, this is not a real joint, uh, although you did not see me uh, roll this. This could actually be lettuce for all you know. Uh, But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I've FedExed to everyone that's on the show uh, this evening uh, ahead of time, Hollywood Magic cannabis uh once again uh, uh we only need like maybe two billion dollars i think for in, from investment like for investors i thought maybe one billion dollars would be enough but two billion probably should be should be uh, plenty if we need to maybe like a third billion i don't know we'll figure it out but in the meantime uh, folks remember that we're only smoking stunt puffs this evening not real cannabis if on the other hand we were to talk about real cannabis here's the irony uh everyone on the show is actually in a legal area in california or in canada or in oregon or many other places that are legal either both recreationally or also medically or both of course if we were to talk about smoke Give it away, grow it, uh, learn about, uh, discuss it, or in any way interact with cannabis. It's actually legal. So if you were to try to report it, it would be something really ridiculous. So ladies and gentlemen, please do not report this show for something that's actually legal. But once again, remember, we're only smoking stunt puffs on the show. Once again, also because we were reported for, uh, what was it called, harmful or dangerous content, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, It's important to remind you that we will not be talking about any extremely dangerous challenges, any kind of challenges that pose an imminent risk of physical or, uh, uh, well, physical or other injury, we will definitely not be talking about. We won't be talking about dangerous or threatening pranks of any kind. Ladies and gentlemen, please save those for some other show or for some other day. Maybe go do uh, jackass DIY somewhere else. We're not going to be talking about pranks. Uh, Instructions to kill or 
harm. We won't be showing viewers how to perform activities meant to kill or maim others. For example, giving instructions to make a bomb. We will definitely not be uh, instructing you how to make a bomb. If you go to Taco Bell and build another kind of bomb in your pants, that's not my problem. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, we will definitely not be teaching you how to make an explodey bomb. Go somewhere else, please, to do that. Or maybe to a police station, honestly, because it seems like you probably need to be arrested and also maybe need help. Hard drug use or creation will not be discussed in the show, ladies and gentlemen. Content that depicts abuse of or uh, giving instructions on how to create hard drugs such as cocaine or opioids will not be discussed in any way. We won't be discussing hard uh, hard drugs, by the way, are defined as drugs that can mostly lead to physical addiction. We will not be discussing those drugs in any kind of a positive light, ladies and gentlemen. If someone on the show discusses cocaine or heroin or any other kind of drug that you might have uh, surmised from that list uh, in their past lives, you should first of all assume that it's a fictionalized account of their lives, but second of all, it's in the past and in no way a positive uh, uh, recommendation for the future. I had to fix this joint and I realized that my patch is coming off as I play with it. Uh, that was almost a that's what she said, but not quite. Eating disorders will not be discussed in the show, ladies and gentlemen. Content that praises, glorifies, or encourages viewers to Im imitate anorexia or other eating, I can't even talk. Other eating disorders will not be discussed. You can see me choking on the words. That's how badly I, I, I dislike that topic. Uh, we will not be talking about any kind of abnormal eating on this show at all. We will not be instructing you to th uh, thieve, to, th to steal. <laughs> I don't know why I keep reading that wrong. Instructional theft or cheating will not be discussed, ladies and gentlemen. We won't be teaching you any kind of dishonest behavior. We won't be teaching you how to hack into anything, not a cucumber or a computer, demonstrating how to use computers or information technology with the intent to steal credentials, compromise personal data, or cause serious harm to others, such as but not limited to. Hacking into social media accounts will not be discussed on this channel. And finally, bypassing payment for digital content or services will not under any circumstances be discussed. You should always pay your uh, payments, and your bills, and all that stuff, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, be a very honest person. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, we will not under any circumstances positively discuss drugs or anything else. Well, we will not be discussing violence or anything like that. And uh, once again, all of the weed on this show is uh, fictitious. It's basically fake stunt weed. Now that I've said that, thank you very much to everybody who doesn't report this show because you guys are the real champions. Thank you very much for being patient, uh, uh, everyone in the chat. So thank you very much for the panel. Uh, Romulan Genetics, pleasure to meet you. Welcome to the show. We usually do like a quick hello, and then we'll basically get into the meat of the, the episode. Uh, welcome. What's going on, my friend? Yeah, thank you very, very much for having me. Cheers. Uh, hello to everyone that's watching and viewing. Uh, it's good to be here. Welcome, man. Uh, D, moving on. Uh, what's going on, my friend? How are the brains this evening? Ah, brains. Fresh as always. I'm, uh, hope everybody had a great week. Uh, I'm smoking on some stunt pine tar tonight. And I also got some stunt ice cream cookies again. Very good shit. I hope everybody had a great week. Um, that's about it for me, I guess. Oh, find me on Instagram at D underscore zombie underscore. Uh, nice to see you, D. Uh, Flora, what's going on, my friend? Welcome. Yo, yo. Chilling, uh, just smoking some sour strawberry, uh, live resin. It's pretty good. Um, I, you know, wasn't a big fan of the strawberries, but I think you kind of convinced me over mm. the past several months. Um, when you add that, that, that sour note to it, changes it totally. Mm. But yeah, it's, uh, just chilling. Oh, the, uh, look forward to the, uh, interview with Romulan. Um, Romulan's fire, people know that. So it's the basis of a lot of subculture. Mm -hmm. It's right in the right in the, the heart of it. So yeah, absolutely. Good, uh, good interview. 
Don't they always say that's the debt your head weed? That's the, the some of the big power basically behind uh, Trainwreck and Romulan. A couple other things I feel like are the the, the biggest power. What was it? Uh, what was it? It was Romulan to Cindy. Was the queen? I think so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Rom, uh, Romulan to Spit. Uh, so that would be really interesting if. Uh, was it the Apollo already? Hold on. What was that? Really interesting if you made a Cindy cross. Right. I just. Uh, uh, before, I just gifted my cut to Mr. Soul from Brothers Grimm, and I think that's one of the things he's going to do with it. No kidding. Yeah. By the way, before we get into the interview, uh, don't want to forget Smashed. Uh, what's uh, what's going on, buddy? Welcome. I see you had a great guest, man. You know, I had Amen. to come by and support you. Uh, we're smoking Sunset Sherbet, the JJ's Chem DI-95, crossed by Ethos. Um, Apocalolo's drying should be starting to trim it tomorrow, next day maybe. That's awesome. Yeah, we Can't believe how fast uh, uh, all your stuff dries. It's just so disorienting. Like for me, it usually takes, even when I cut like fairly small branches, it'll take me like two weeks to dry oftentimes. It takes sometimes less like in the wintertime when it's super dry right now, but uh, from the furnace and stuff. So you nailed it's, it. Yeah, it's Romulan by C99. Uh, it's about 45 to 50% right now, which gives me about a week and a half of dry. Awesome. Pretty good. I mean, I could go longer if I wanted to add a humidifier and, and start playing those games, but I, I've learned as long as you keep it cold, like 62, 60, and you keep your humidity above 30%, you're still going to get decent terpenes and stuff. And as long as it doesn't dry too fast, you know, like I've heard of people in Colorado and stuff where it dries like two days or something if they're really yeah, that's careful great. that's too fast right because your terpenes dry out and stuff but i mean like yeah a week two something like that that's per perfectly fine uh by the way welcome to everyone in the chat welcome folks uh, i don't necessarily have time now because of all the freaking uh uh, uh the disclaimers and stuff i have to do i honestly have to edit up like basically either uh maybe both honestly just for safety's sake uh a uh, flash page whatever it's called and then also like couple minutes of just me talking about all that random nonsense that we have to say can you imagine like eating disorders and stuff but that's actually what this channel was reported for anyway uh and by the way of course uh, i'm going to skip the commercial ladies and gentlemen you know the website it's uh, right there if you guys need any genetics that are not romulan genetics take a look at uh, fumadora.com and of course don't forget the coupon code brains romulan genetics welcome uh, uh, the official welcome welcome to the show uh, tell us Thank about you. tell us about what got you well you can tell us anything you'd like frankly but we're i think very interested if your romulan is the romulan tell us how you got into weed in general did that get you into weed you were telling us uh, about one of your first crosses in the beginning of the show what really got you into weed, I guess, is the best question to ask you. I grew up around it. Did you? It was literally, literally. I mean, I was in my diapers playing with Tonka trucks no underneath the plants. Um, when I was a teenager, I started selling. And when I was a little bit older than that, I started interstate trafficking and I eventually did time for that. Hmm. And uh, then went and did other things with my life. I didn't want to go back there. And uh, at some point, my father passed away. and. Kind of the only thing that was left to me from him was this plant. And uh, one thing led to another, and here I am now doing this. And uh, I actually retired from being an electrical engineer to do this because it's kind of been a dream my whole life. And I absolutely love it. 
No kidding. That's an unusual. I mean, that's we were just talking about Mr. Soul with the C99, and he was, I guess, what, a, an aerospace engineer or a nuclear engineer? I don't remember. But uh, yeah. he basically gave that up, I guess, also because he preferred cannabis. He thought it was such a more, I think, a creative, I think he mentioned it. We should actually have him on the show. But uh, I think he said one time yeah. that it was just a more creative outlet, basically, for him than numbers on a paper. I can't remember exactly how he said it, but it's it's interesting that you would leave something so... I don't know, probably prosperous, lucrative, impressive, and for, for weed, right? Like a lot of people are like, what, for weed? But, you know, right. the people who actually grow it, we kind of know, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I love what I do now, but I literally, I was a kid uh, secretly getting high time subscription in the mail when I was like nine years old. Because huh. yeah, this was just something I was always interested in. And it, it, I never really got the chance to to do it like this and everything just kind of fell into place at the right time. And after doing it for a while, I realized I have this one job that, that pays my bills and um, I kind of hate what I do now, you know, but I was doing really big projects. I designed Uriah Faber's gym and a bunch of stuff that, you know, high end stuff um, and making great money, but this was what I wanted to do. Hmm. And it just kind of all came to a head and I realized I don't care if I, if I lose my ass, I'm just going to make this choice and do this. What was the first part of the process for you? I mean, you mentioned earlier you, one of the first creations you made, but as you basically became, or as you left the one life and kind of entered the new life, what was the transition process like? Did you start breeding a couple strains or what? So prior to that, I was, so I was still working my job um, and I was giving cuts away to people and kind of hoping that I would see it get spread around. And, and I gifted it to Dark Heart Nursery and they started you know, putting out thousands and thousands of cuts of it. Um, but I had a bunch of people asking me for seeds, you know, I'd say, I can't get the clone. And so can you make seeds and can you do that part of it? And, um, that's kind of what led to it. And I was already doing that and my other job um, when I decided I'm, I'm just going to retire from the electrical engineer stuff. And I still get calls from people. I mean, I tell them I'm retired now. Um, so it was it was kind of a drawn out process of several years that kind of led up to it. There really wasn't one event that uh, like, a, you know, but that was the transition. I was given cuts away for a while and um, eventually made seeds and then eventually just decided that this was what I was going to do for the rest of my life if I can. So tell us I'm about that there. cut. I, I often say when I talk to breeders, and I don't always remember to ask them this, but uh, I often say that I feel like every breeder or just about every breeder that I met so far, maybe it's not every single breeder, has like a strain that really resonated with them. It could even be just one individual cut that resonated with them. But a lot of times it'll be like, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Stevie, a friend of mine that I basically met one day, gave me a little satchel of seeds and was like, hey, you know, grow this. And basically just it really hit. 10 out of 10, you know, happiness for me. And since then, basically, I've worked with that strain and used it to, at first, like, judge other strains, basically judge if they were worthy on and on. And then I started to actually, like, pull out my favorite parts of it and breed it myself. So no, I guess I'm, I'm babbling a little bit, but everybody seems to have, like, this one thing that really resonated with them. What was it about that Romulan? I mean, you got it from what your dad. That's wrong? a good one. And what is that, too, actually? Do you know? Yeah. Um, so Romulan started uh, in the late 50s. It was a Canadian Korean War veterans that brought back Thai seeds. And they were struggling to go to home for quite a while. And eventually they introduced a Mexican sativa to it that helped things out a little bit, but they weren't happy with the way the smoke was. 
And they kept kind of doing different things and trying different things as far as going back to the original Thai seeds and everything else. Um, it was kind of a long process where they, they introduced Mexican sativa to it, then Colombian red, um, and then eventually uh, Afghani. <clears throat> and they, they were starting to like, like what they were finding with that and decided to just kind of on a random whim go back to the Colombian red and kind of back cross it to that the result of all four of those combined. I mean, at that point, it was kind of like a eureka moment for them. They, they stopped and found what they wanted. So it's uh, basically made a land race strings. Hmm. Is, uh, what do you feel that it offers when you cross it to other stuff? I basically need to show your, by the way, your beautiful Instagram. Uh, but uh, there seems to be this very recognizable kind of pattern. Uh, first of all, it's super dank looking, but what does it bring basically to every cross that you uh, uh, bring it to? So, so you, you had started by kind of asking, like, you know, what 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 made it uh, special? I forget which how you worded it, but um, for me, it's uh, I I have PTSD from from things that have happened in my life in the past, and it I was um, I also have some nerve damage issues and stuff, and I was on a lot of different medications, and when I started. Uh, getting into Romulan, this growing it in my own and, and smoking it and everything. And it was just, it's fabulous smoke. It's really fucking good weed. But oh, do we make 10 minutes? Oh, good. I'm past 10 minutes. <laughs> um, Before the show, we were talking about let's not swear. I don't know if you guys heard, but we were saying don't swear. They're like the first 10 minutes. Nice, Romulan. Well done. <laughs> I made it. Um, and uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, we were talking about what the Romulan, by the way, I think we are looking at some Romulan crosses. Uh, this is the purple uh, one that's outdoors for me. I remember, I remember where I was at. Um, that's pretty so cool. it's essentially, it was, it helped me get off a lot of different medications. It makes me feel centered. Hmm. It's not just that it, you know, it's good smoke and it's tasty and everything. It's that it, it, it has these other things that go with it where I, if I can be having a bad episode with nerve issues or my PTSD um, it, it helps tremendously and it's, it's not like anything else in that sense for me. And I, I've had, since I started doing this, since I, you know, when I first started just giving cuts away to people and stuff, um, I kept getting repeatedly word back from people that, you know, it's changed my uncle's life. It's changed my dad's life. It's changed my life. It's, you know, I, I made Rick Simpson oil out of it for my grandpa and he's sleeping again. And, I just heard so many different things that it, it just kind of became this bigger thing than what I was doing. And, and that's what ended up with me where I just breed with Romulan. It, it just, I decided why not everyone else is doing all these different things. And if I can just pick this one slim little corner to fit into where I'm doing my own thing, why not? And so pretty much everything I've released with the exception of the ring of fire is a Romulan cross, whether it's, uh, you know, feminized or regular seed. No, I dig it. I dig that single focus. I think that's one of the few things that will probably last all the major cullings that will probably happen in the future with, with, uh, uh the cannabis, you know, the huge multi-corporate, you know, uh, the, the gigantic corporations basically coming in when it gets legalized and right. stuff, people that have their own kind of wheelhouse and their own, you know, when you think of something like, Oh, I want whatever I want. We, we, we don't even necessarily know what those whatevers are yet, but if you want, 
let's call it a fucking Beaujolais or something. If you want a, 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 a I don't know, a, a Chardonnay or something, you're going to go to Romulan or you're going to go to so-and-so, or you're going to go to so-and-so. Uh, exactly. Maybe we'll all have, you know, a variety of crosses, but I think uh, people who specialize in something are probably going to get better noticed. That at least seems to be in, in real life. It seems to be when you specialize in too many things, you become a jack of all trades and nobody ever really cares. Uh, I guess I'm babbling too much. These are beautiful photographs, by the way. How, what's your, what's your photo setup? Or do you, do you like to share what your photo setup is? Cause I think a lot of people always ask, yeah. like, how do you take better pictures? Yeah. I've, uh, so I started out with, uh, like a really cheap Canon rebel. Um, I think a couple of those pictures was even with that, that old cheap camera, huh. like, like a $200 Canon rebel camera or something like that. And it came with a kit with all the lenses and everything. Cause before that I was just using a cell phone. Um, and, uh, my grandfather was a photographer. He taught me when I was a little kid. So I had some kind of basic experience with F-stop and stuff like that, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And so over years I learned, I, I got better at it. And now I have a, I have a Canon five, uh, DS body and I use different lenses. I've got a, an MPE 65 millimeter that I do for my macros. Now I, I had different Leoa lenses that were a little cheaper and not quite as good. Um, so I'm, I've converted over to the MPE 65 millimeter now. Um, I also use a, uh, a Canon 2470 um, for a lot of my just you know, overall flower shots. Hmm. Um, and I have some studio lighting and different ring flashes and stuff, but it's been a journey. I absolutely love photography. I've gone out and done a little bit of like nature stuff and a little bit of insects and stuff like that. Um, it's, but it's really mostly rewarding. Yeah. Cannabis. When you, it is a little bit ridiculous. People will ask me like, Oh, what's your favorite hobby or whatever? And I'm like, Oh yeah. Photography. I've been doing it for a long time. And they're like, so what do you take pictures of? And then I have to be like, 99% of the time it's weed. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, it just, and it's ridiculous too, because it's not even like weed wasn't even like the thing that brought me to photography or something. I don't know how to describe it, but dude, I don't know when you just take pictures of weed all the time, it ends up being like 99. Like I take pictures of like meals with my phone, but I mean, that doesn't even really count necessarily. Anyway, uh -huh. cracking me up. It's beautiful. It, uh, it's, it seems like it never gets old yeah. for me. And maybe you can agree with that. There's a lot of different It's always puzzling to me because some people really don't, I think it depends on if you, well, maybe like anything in life, and this is probably a lesson for, for life in general, when you can pull something out of it and get a positive feedback loop, basically with all, both yourself and others, you have an incentive to kind of keep doing something. So for example, with food, it's really easy. When you cook a good meal, people will be like, oh, yum, yum, yum. And then you also would be like, yum, yum, yum. But then for example, with photography, when you pull out a photograph that's this freaking lovely, you know, this macro of a leaf with trichomes and everything else, for sure people will be like, oh my fucking God, that's beautiful. You know, I haven't seen that before. Every time I've ever posted a photo like that, people are like, oh, that's so cool. I haven't seen trichomes up close or whatever. Cause you know, you never know who's following you. Like out of the, how many thousands that might see your post. Mm -hmm. Tons of people. That's the first time they've seen something or first time they've seen it that way. Anyway, it's, it's super rewarding when you can do it well. And when you can do something well, you basically are reinforced to do it over and over and over again. I don't know. I'm freaking probably repeating myself, but you know what I mean? I, I have seen people mm -hmm. be very frustrated with photography and it becomes this thing like anything, probably like growing, like, like cooking where you try it for a little while, dabble for a little while and then bounce out of it because you, you couldn't really make it worth work. This is really nice. You get the light from the top and the bottom. So you have this, the, the shell basically, but also artistically kind of the, the different right. shade on the bottom. It's really cool. It's a, a I was, unique. I was, uh, 
I was I was pretty high when I did that, but I was. <laughs> that's the. I mean, that's the way. That's why would creative. we not smoke our weed? Uh, we were joking about some stuff before the show, and one of my kind of punchlines is some of those folks that are a little bit bitter and unhappy. Are they not smoking weed? Like we're all basically busy smoking weed. We're all happy all the time. I mean, stunt weed, obviously, on the show. But uh, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, really stunning photography. Look at this. Um, Thank you. What was I going to say? I guess just kind of nerdily, uh, Canon has just discontinued the MPE uh, 65 and nobody really knows whether they can replace it or not. They're like the only company that has that really specific macro. I guess Laowa has a couple lenses that are similar, but the, the mm-hmm. Canon has been basically like the only one that was basically like it, like from uh, one to five magnification in one lens. Right. I don't know. Are they just not going to make it any- anymore? Who the fuck knows? We'll see. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I, I was lucky to get one of the one of the last ones. I guess that's it. Uh, yeah. uh, it's a handy lens. Look at the. I love these uh, uh, combo shots too. By the way, thank you. Lovely. So we should ask you more normal questions. Uh, tell us more about uh, uh, how do I say? Well, tell us about this Andorian line. So is the Andorian line? This is brand new. Is this uh, also? Uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? It is a, a Romulan cross. This is Gelato 33 by Romulan. How do the yeah, Andorians... Uh, oh, no, this is Dixon Cider. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is Dixon Cider. So I decided to um, try to try to evolve my... Not really my breeding so much, but as what I'm offering to people this year. Um, so my first four releases are special. They're different than how I've done things before. Um, the first one was Andorian. That was for January. And... Um, I've got to the point where over the past few years of doing this, I realized that I need to drop about one strain per year. I don't like to do that many. I don't like to do 12 a year, but that's what I have to do to pay my bills and keep doing this. Um, and I'll never be the kind of guy that drops 10 or 20 strains at once. I just, I, I hate doing, I, I hate that people do that. Um, so one, one per what month. So Because there's two, there's a ton of people who do it that way and a ton of people who only drop a couple at a time. What do you, what do you dislike or like about either approach? I, I hate the approach with it because it's, uh, it's too easy for consumers and customers to get kind of lost in the sauce of all of that. You know, you're dropping 20 things at once and I've seen too many times people are just like, I don't know which one to get. They all sound so good. And it is also hard when you're dropping 20 new strains to show like, you know, Instagram limits to 10 pictures per post or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's hard to show all of those in a, in a post to people and give the information of this is what each one looks like. And this is what each one tastes like. So the promotion for it usually ends up being, well, here's jet fuel gelato crossed with all these different things and a nice graphic that we've made. But we're just going to show you like a picture of one plant, maybe, or maybe one of the P1s. Um, and then kind of let you do your thing with making your choice. And to me, I, I feel like that's kind of shorting people a little bit. I, I don't fault anyone for doing it. It's just not for me. By the way, jumping back so, to the photos here, I was just wondering to myself, like uh, one of the things that people forget is that you, and I think maybe, you know, when we were talking about photography and stuff, you kind of have to enjoy all of the process and not like individual parts of the process and that can yeah. become a problem. Like when you only like snapping pictures, but not, let's say, developing photographs, like, you know, back in the day, you actually had to use chemicals and everything else. But like now yeah. you don't have to actually use chemicals, but you do develop your photographs basically digitally online. You can use, you know, Photoshop or Lightroom or Capture One, a bunch of different software. 
to actually manipulate the kind of raw image a lot of times if you shoot probably well I, my, my imagine he's shooting raw and then basically editing is some kind of a, 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 a what's the word I'm looking for a photo editor I'm babbling like a crazy person what do you how do I say this what do you tell people that are afraid of photo editing because there are a lot of people that are basically really really afraid of it essentially even when they shoot on their phone and stuff they don't want to use filters they don't want to use you know even visco because you like visco you don't even have to edit your photo you basically just like overlay uh, filters people are scared even of that what do you tell people like that um i i completely get how intimidating the whole process of photography can be just with the camera alone Mm -hmm. um but once you get past the camera and then you get into the environment with the lighting and everything then you also get into the post-processing like you said with computers and programs and Jesus, it's a lot to learn. It really is. And I get it being intimidating to anyone. But what I would say is uh, don't let it intimidate you to the point where you don't feel driven to keep learning. Um, because as the process and the path unfolds, you'll you'll find yourself learning not just about photography, but I mean, not, not to get uh, cheesy on it, but you'll find yourself learning a lot of things about yourself, about life, about people things you didn't expect to learn um, just from something as simple as photography. At least that's what I've learned. And I've seen it with just about everyone I've talked to. It's, it's a long process. You can't learn photography in a few months. You can't learn it in a year. You know, you can go to school for it, but even then you have to apply it. So, and, and most people even going to a private school for it, you're still going for about two years just to learn the different processes um, because it's a lot to learn. There, there's a lot to it. Um, what I found really helpful was hopping into forums, photography forums and reading before I interacted with anyone, just reading everything I could in there and then watching YouTube videos about everything I was curious about with photography. Um, that, that's where I learned most of my stuff from was either reading it off a forum or watching a YouTube video. There is actually a really like a ton of really good uh, YouTube photography. So there's also a ton of just kind of fluff where they kind of talk about yeah brands whatever else it's meaningless yeah like uh uh, oh the amount of videos where they're like should i abandon canon and go to so shut the fuck up you're not going to abandon at least i'm not i mean the amount of money i've put in my canon setup i can't afford to dump it one day for like 60 cents on the dollar or something and then go jump over to fuji or something like shut the fuck up i'm not rich this is a beautiful Mm -hmm. shot by the way what is this uh you say have a blessed day what strain is this this is absolutely gorgeous that is fermented and that's the uh, lone outlier pheno that, that I found during testing. Everything else was pretty homogenous and all looked similar. And that one steered more towards Romulan with some of the sourdough coloring. Fermented is sourdough, which is a creation made by my buddy from Offensive Selections. He's not really so known quite yet, but he's starting to sell seeds and selling out quickly. But he, he runs a lot of cultivation facilities, multi-state, really great grower, a lot of knowledge. And um his his beginning forays into breeding shows shows his skill that's for sure but he sent me sourdough and i made this with it um and it's uh i'm actually smoking some of it right now it's really really good yeah really good yes i mean it looks lovely for sure i find it's like a fruity fruity gas and just heavy heavy indica i mean it'll there's a couple of the phenos that if i if i broke it out and smoked it right now i'd be taking a nap real quick 
I guess I was going to ask you two questions and I can't figure out which one I want to ask you first. I was going to ask you about your testing, but then I was going to ask you, let's, let's talk about the other one first, honestly. Uh, let's, uh, uh, your, your favorite kind of weed. So you mentioned it's very heavy That's indica. Everybody, exactly smash, right? Like everybody, every breeder, every grower, honestly, has their preferred kind of style of weed. Mine is kind of, you know, that up, honestly, Cindy sort of, basically, if you think of like Cindy 99, that's basically my favorite kind of weed in many ways. What's yours? Is it basically heavy, heavy, hard hitting indica? Um, no, it's it's all of it. Uh, it's one of, one of the things I used to always say way back in the day when I go to dispensaries and stuff, even back in the early two thousands when they first opened. Um, I'd go in and I'd say the same damn question every single place you go to is, "Are you looking for an indica or sativa?" And I'd say, I, I, "I'm neither. I'm looking for anything good." I want something that's remarkable. I don't care if it's an indicorsativa. I understand that. So, you know, my favorites have been, you know, things from wide ranging snow cap to hog's breath um, to, you know, OG Kush and Northern Lights and, you know, uh, Land Race Ties and Romulan, which the cut that I have is a little more sativa leaning than some of the other stuff that came from Joe um, or stemmed from Joe, I should say, kind of. Like that offshoot of it, the big high stuff is 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 more along the lines of what I have, and it's a little more sativa leaning, not as as deep indica. Um, I like it all, you know. It, it's uh, I grew up in a town where we had really, really, really good connections and amazing weed that was always flowing through the place. And, and you know, the first strain I ever smoked, the first cultivar I ever smoked was White Widow, and it wasn't just someone grew white widow it actually had come from the entry year of cannabis cup and it came from the booth table right there at cannabis cup in amsterdam huh. it was a nug it was just looked like this huge pine cone like this big and we had people in our town that were smuggling it back on planes from there so and i hallucinated from smoking that because it was like one of the first times i smoked weed i was watching the television it wasn't there changing channels and everything it's fantastic it fucking matter back then because everything smelled like cigarettes anyways <laughs> what they allowed smoking on a plane back then i think cigarettes yeah, yeah they used to they used yeah to yeah have cigarettes. ridiculous restaurants yeah. used to have a smoking and a non-smoking section no they definitely would have busted you for any weed that's for sure because you can smell smell weed from a mile away but you're freaking marlboros all day long i always laugh when i was a kid i was like what's the point of a non-smoking section and i just realized oh there's just less smoke in the non-smoking section it's not really a non-smoking, it's just less smoke. Uh, what yep. was I going to say? Well, it's, I was going to ask a totally different question, but honestly, that's so fun after you take your bong hit. What's it like? Because I think for a lot of us, it's very unusual to grow up in a weed family. You know, like a lot of folks will have grown up maybe in a construction family. They, they know what that's like, or maybe their family owned a bakery or a restaurant. They grew up in the restaurant business or something, right? What's it like growing up in the weed business, basically, like you were talking about? very it, it, for me it was very formative um it wasn't just the uh the weed it was uh and the best way to describe my upbringing as a childhood was if you've ever seen the movie blow with johnny depp it's about the story of george john um that was kind of like how i grew up um we literally had planes flying over our property lighting oil barrels up and then kicking bales out over my dad's house uh i grew up with every barbecue every camping trip every birthday party was filled with hell's angels um you know i could drop a bunch of names right now people i shouldn't even know their names and they know who i am 
so it was very formative because it, it was very freeing. Um, I, I almost raised myself amongst adults who weren't really adults. And, and I don't know how to explain that experience fully, but you know, I, uh, everyone's skinny dipping everyone or something yeah everyone's partying everyone's skinny dipping there's you know scales filled with drugs everywhere there's you know just everything my dad was dealing to like the eagles and Fleetwood Mac and famous people and so things were just out of fucking control and that was my childhood that was my upbringing and so you know by the time it all started to kind of wind down and dad started to settle down a little and get out of it retire from that life it was I was just wild, you know, just fucking wild. And so I joined the Marine Corps. I got out of the Marine Corps. I went to prison. Um, it took me a long time to become who I was inside because I had been exposed to so many things. I just, my, my view of the world was very different than other people's. And what I always was inside was a gentler, kinder person. I care about people. I, you know, I, I can't help but stop and help people that I don't even know and things like that. And I wasn't that way for a long time. It just what was inside of me. So it took me a long time to get to that, but it's a kind of a yin and yang life that I've had in from the beginning and early adulthood to me now, you know, midway through my life. Um, very, very two different looks of, of how things went, but uh, I wouldn't change fucking any of it. It was, well, it, was it certainly great. has taught you, at least that's something that I've learned. Like, uh, I feel like, among other things, I'm kind of changing the subject ever so slightly. To learn empathy, I feel like you have to basically have been hit in the face, you know, with several bricks in your life. And I think some yes. people are born with empathy, like apparently, what, what's her name? Dolly Parton was apparently born a saint. But many people, I feel like, have to be hit in the face with a few bricks, basically, before they realize that other people also feel pain or something. And that's something that I've seen, that people had that had too lucky of a life don't seem to have a lot of empathy and a lot of kind of understanding of other people's, I don't know, path or whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly, but uh, yeah, right. I don't know, like those, those multiple, what I was going to say is that those kind of multiple perspectives in life, they've probably made you a much better breeder. Would you say that? I suppose. Yeah. I, I, well, I, so the first thing that just popped in my brain was I've made a bunch of things just for other people instead of just making things for me, which most of the stuff I've made is for me. It's what I want to make. I just share it with other people. It's kind of like music or in that sense, you know, it's, this is me. It's my art. It's what I want to smoke. It's what I want to grow as a plant. Um, and, and I share it with other people, but I've made probably at least five or six different things that were literally just because someone asked me to make them. I guess, so. honestly, my, my question was probably too broad. We should talk in the microphone. Uh, but uh, what was I trying to say? Uh, okay, maybe I'm injecting my opinion. So you're, you're not really supposed to do that when you ask people, but I guess I'll explain myself. I have always thought, or I've often thought, not just in cannabis, but especially now when we're talking about cannabis, that when you are able to bring disparate points of view to a subject, whether you're cooking in the kitchen or making a cannabis strain or even growing a cannabis strain, when you can bring some other experience to that, it's going to make it a better uh, experience basically it's going to make it a better product if, effectively at the end if you had basically grown up from from you know i don't know from a baby or something and your only purpose in life was to grow cannabis yeah you could grow maybe perfect cannabis or something i don't know this is probably a stupid metaphor 
whatever. No, I get growing up from baby. Yeah. So you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I feel like that basically informs your decision-making process basically. Right. Having a, having a broader uh, spectrum experience in life, I think uh, translates into doing better at everything. You know, whether it's, you're talking about someone being a, a better lover or a better musician, a better scientist, a better astronaut, whatever it is, I think it has to translate into a lot of different little micro and macro ways that you don't even really notice maybe. Um, and so it definitely affects my breeding. It's just not something that uh, I'd, I'd have to kind of sit and analyze and figure out exactly how, but I know that that's at least on the surface. One of the ways is that, me who I am, I'm because I was so self-centered and selfish growing up and, and we just kind of taught that that's how you do life um, and had to learn to become a, a less self-centered person. I wouldn't have even done strains for other people. I would have just laughed the, it off that they asked me to cross something with Girl Scout cookies. I would have just laughed if they said to work with gelato. I just wouldn't like, there's no fucking point in me doing that. Everyone else has done that. Um, but I ended up doing those things just because people asked me and it wasn't just once they asked me several times. And I finally was like, I'm, I'm going to do this for you. And there's a few strains that I released burning cap, uh, Dixon cider started just totally as for someone else, for one person, but as I ran it through testing, as I got into it more, it became uh, more than that. It kind of gave back to me. So it was a nice little process with Dixon cider. Um, that kind of goes to what I was saying earlier, like Andorian was my first release this, this year. That was for outdoor cultivators. Dixon Cider is the second release this year for February. It's for commercial cultivators. I specifically have, you know, bred these things and, and tested them and, and they're perfect for those two situations. The What's one coming the out next, next month, the one coming out next month is for people who have uh, grown tents or have limited vertical space. So it's a, like the one next month is a fast finishing seven to eight week stays very small doesn't stretch at all um is and doesn't bush out wide it's it's perfect for people who are growing intense and want to grow more than a couple plants at a time i really dig the, that that uh it's almost like going to ikea or something you're like oh okay i have this amount of space for a bookshelf and it needs to right. fit the fucking criteria i mean that's a lot of growers they basically are either like you say a commercial grower so i was going to ask you about this actually before we even get into testing what's the difference basically between the commercial and the freaking individual and then the tent grower and i guess probably the answer I'm, I'm curious about your answer but i guess probably the answer is you think of certain criteria and you basically try to fit well better is to actually ask you how do you basically design those strains really for those different criteria for the different cultivators, different groups of cultivators, different style of cultivators. What do you do? Um, so the one that's coming out next month was a bit of an accident in that sense that I'm throwing it in at the end because it's perfect for this. Um, and I kind of came up with this theme late in the game of releasing them this way. This started out with uh, Dixon cider was made first. It started out as a joke thing. Once I first started getting into testing it, I realized this is perfect for commercial cultivators. And that makes sense because gelato has been very popular with commercial cultivators in the past. Um, I then kind of took that idea, formed a little seed in my head, thought, okay, I'm going to make something specifically for outdoor cultivators because I've had so many people grow my Romulan outdoor. They've loved it, but they've asked for more for other things. And a lot of the stuff that I've done hasn't really been tailored for them. 
Um, and in fact, really isn't great for outdoor because the branches are too weak and things like that. So I, uh, I kind of sat down in my head before I, I started this all. I thought, you know, what to me would be the perfect, um, and Blue Dream was one of the first things I thought of for an outdoor plant that is just so, such a wonderful, you know, round bush, just perfect kind of thing. The structure, the, it, it, its ability to be grown in a lot of different climates and environments and latitudes. Um, I figured I'll, I'll start with that. And I ended up getting my hands on the Santa Cruz Blue Dream cut and uh, breeding that with Romulan in it. I, I was looking really down on myself when I was doing it at the time as a breeder. I was just kind of really, really uh, insecure and uh, and self doubt with things. Why blue dream was good? Fuck. Not not on that particular. It was just at the time I was just kind of like in a not great place, and I started getting into the testing of that one, and it it was one of the things that kind of lifted me back up and made me realize, you know, look, I'm I'm not totally off track here. I, you know, I'm not wasting my time trying to learn and get better at this. How'd you uh, get in with dark art? Um, when I was just giving clones away to people before anyone, before I was ever Romulan genetics or anyone knew who I was, I had a lot of different friends that I was giving cuts to growers up in the area, people that I'd worked with when I was trafficking. Um, and eventually, once I can't remember exactly what the connection was, but one thing led to another where they contacted me. Oh, nice. And uh, they wanted to buy it. And I said, well, I've actually been trying to find someone that can put this clone out more widespread because it's kind of like my responsibility to keep this thing alive. And I feel like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and I'm going to kill it. And I, I, don't, I don't need that on my shoulders. I want to have some security here and know that someone else is taking care of it and knows what they're doing. And uh, so it eventually led to, you know, I, I convinced them that, look, I don't want any money. I just want to gift it to you. And I just want you guys to try to get it out there as much as you can. And they did. And they ran it through like a year and a half of testing before they released it publicly. And then uh, eventually put it through tissue culture and gave me back one of the results from the tissue culture. Before they went public with it. It seems to be like the future people can have. So many strains on a little refrigerator. Yeah, right. Yeah. What's your, uh, I was going to say earlier, um, oh, what's your testing process? So uh, we were talking about testing and, and how you figured out basically some of these things work for different things. What's your process? Do you have testers? Do you test yourself? What do you do? So uh, a lot of different testers besides me. Um, that It gets to a point where that, that happens and I send out seeds to a bunch of people. Dixon cider was made over three years ago. Um, it's a long process with me. I don't really rush through things. I'll make the seeds. And usually when I first make them, it might be like a really small batch, like a one plant, like just one plant in a room that I've seeded. Cause I want to see what happens with this cross before I go deep and fill up a room with plants and, and, and make enough seeds to actually get out into the world. Um, and so I'll have just this initial small amount of seeds, sometimes 20, 30 seeds on, on plants that don't work out so well. And I'll run them through the initial test. And if I like what I'm seeing and really like it, then I'll go and I'll make some more seeds with those exact same plants and, uh, and make enough for production. And then I'll also have more to continue testing. And then I run them through usually at least one or two series of severe stress testing where I intentionally 
right before flowering and all through flowering, mess them up like a new grower would in a whole bunch of different ways, whether it's from running the room way too hot or having the lights be suddenly far too intense for them than they're used to. Um, you know, everything across the board, overwatering, underwatering, all that stuff. I want to push into the point where I see them either become unstable so that I can pull them off the shelf and not release them. Or I want to see that they're going to, which is my goal, is to perform for anyone. No matter who you are, you can be brand new at growing or you can just be like me sometimes and just make stupid bonehead mistakes. You'll still get a good harvest out of it. And even though it's cannabis and I can't guarantee anyone that, you know, they're going to be uh, completely stable and you won't have any intersex traits because it is cannabis, but I can run it through enough testing to feel confident that there isn't going to be major issues for people across the board. And so, you know, some of my stress testing, it'll be a hundred plants and I'll have them really small, I'll rush them from seed into flower and then stress them intentionally during flower. And if I'm not seeing anything in their herm and no problems with it, then I can feel pretty confident that when I go and release them out to people that they're going to have the same experience. They're going to grow them and it's going to grow well for them no matter what happens. And that's, that's my, always my goal with everything that I'm, that I'm putting out there. So once it passes through all that testing, I eventually will do a final one. I'll send off the results from that stress test to get lab tested. So I've got a terpene cannabinoid that I can show people. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll test several phenos so that I can show if it's homogenous, here's, you know, the different phenos that you're going to get. And here's, you know, how close they are or the variations that you'll get. Um, or if it's something where it's a really dominant, where it's 80%, this, this one type in, in the group, then I'll just test that one sometimes. But uh, that's what I'm doing now is showing people everything I can through that whole process and the lab test results. So when they get it, they don't have to necessarily trust me of that I'm saying it tastes like, uh, you know, chocolate sprinkled donut in an apple streusel or something like that. They can look at what it's there and they can go, oh, OK, it's got myrcene in it. It's got, you know, lemon. It's got some berry and it's got some earthiness in it. That's what I can expect. I dig it. I, I hope that one of these days it's going to be a lot easier for folks to basically, I think in California, it's one of the easiest places to just walk into a um, testing facility and uh, get your stuff tested. You can technically, I ha actually haven't looked into it for a couple of years. So forgive me, honestly, for being a little bit behind the times. It was a little bit difficult a couple of years ago for like just small timers, you know, not, not people who are, you know, licensed it, or whatever still, there's, tested. There's still things that need to need to happen. I, I, uh, I use SC Labs specifically because I was super against any lab testing for a long time. And SC Labs got busted for allowing pay-to-play shit. And they're now, because they got busted, they're being heavily scrutinized and inspected constantly. So I feel like, well, they got caught cheating. I can actually probably trust them to not try to cheat. And I haven't once been asked anything about, do I want to pay more for better results? And every fucking lab I ever called in the past said the exact same thing in the first contact. If you're looking for better results, we can offer some other plants or some other methods, some other things that will cause, you know, the cost to go up a little bit more, but you'll definitely have better results to show your customers. And so essentially they're just saying, Hey, you're going to get a higher THC if you pay more. So this place has been, you know, heavily scrutinized, but they have a program where you can not be under the full state compliance testing. You can go for just quality assurance and quality control testing 
And so you don't have to have all of the different loophole stuff, but there still is some things you have to do. You can't just take it to a lab. A courier has to come and pick it up, and it's all a process of things that have to be done just the right way. Go ahead, Flora. There's been several of those that got busted here in California. We're doing the same crap. It's basically, when they say, when you bring them a sample and they say, oh, well, what do you expect to test that? Or what do you want to test that? So, you know. Right. Wouldn't it be nice if everything in life was that way? What are you expecting your car mileage to go? Oh, I don't know, it's 57 miles per gallon? I don't know, what's, what's normal for a 50-year-old Toyota? Uh, Philly Boy is asking, by the way, speaking of uh, testing, uh, speaking of terp testing, what kind of terps do you have across your genetics, or uh, what's the range? You said you, you like a variety of cannabis. It looks like you have a variety of crosses. What's your kind of terps uh, uh, range? Um, my personal preference is is leans toward more, more towards the old school palettes of uh, danky earthy hashy um, with some minor floral things and gassy stuff like that um but i've done it all i've literally it's across the board um romulan tends to bring a lot of spicy uh sometimes pine with it but with most of the crosses you're going to have some kind of like spicy dank thing going on there that it's kind of hard to describe other than it feels old school um and so it might have that with some fruitiness it might have that with uh, you know some gas or you know but i've i've kind of done everything because in some part of what i'm doing is i'm trying to find just different flavors of the same effect the same kind of high um and other things that i'm doing for my own my own self is uh i'm making things for people out there that I know they like as far as flavors and things like that. So, yeah, I've I've done a lot of intentionally fruity stuff that I know I knew was going to be fruity, and it was because a bunch of people asked for me to make fruity things. So, there's some kind of a what do you call it? Like a prejudice against fruity flavors in cannabis, and it just kind of cracks me up because there is actually good cannabis that is fruity. It's not all just like. Although Stranana is good at that, but it's not all Stranana. It's not all just like weak shit. Like there, there is actually good fruity stuff. I feel like I'm taking yeah, amazing it's regional. Flora, yeah. did you want to say something? Yeah, I think it's regional. You know what I mean, I think it's a regional thing. It's like internet sitting in the bed. Yeah, he's roboting a little bit. Okay, I thought it was me. I was going to say, as I was about to say something, I was like, what do you say to somebody whose internet's going bad? Um, Shake your internet or something? I don't know. I mean, I've noticed a lot of the newer generation wants the fruit. Like when I'm like at an event and I talk to like, let's say like someone like Charlie's age, a little bit different, they want the old school strains still, a lot of them. They're not looking for cookies. They're not. And then you talk to like people my age, they want the gas, the skunk, the, the, the cat piss. And then the younger generation seems to be the ones looking for the cookies, the gelatos, the, the apple fritter and blah, 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 whatever else. Maybe, you know. Yeah. By the way, Definitely. Uh, there was another question here from Big E uh, following up. Basically, what are some good traits to look for in a Romulan cross when you're looking for something Romulan? leaning um if you're specifically looking for something romulan leaning uh, 
they usually are, are pretty quick growing as far as like if you're looking at the different seedlings they'll stand out initially and this isn't you know but initially you'll be able to kind of single out which ones could become romulan leading just based on they're growing a little faster than the other ones um the nodal space will be a little bit stretchier if if it's tied on the other ones um the, the ones that are romulan leading will be a little stretchier the leaves themselves um, when they're new will be skinnier looking more sativa as they grow older they'll become fat more indica looking type leaves and um if something is romulan leaning in a cross that doesn't normally have color so if i'm crossing it with uh I don't know, something out there that doesn't really normally have any kind of purples or reds or any kind of colorfulness to it. And it's just kind of known that it's just a very green um, clone cut that I worked with or whatever it is. If you see something that starts coming out with some color, some, some you know, fades to it, orange, red, purple, that's probably the Romulan leaning. The flower structure of it is, um, it's more foxtail-y tend to when it's something that's crossed in meaning. Not always necessarily foxtails, but that's kind of the best way I can describe it to someone that doesn't. It's kind of hard to describe what I'm talking about. But the buds, the flower structure where things seem to be very symmetrical when you see, you know, all the parts of it um, form really nicely. Even if we mm. spin around in a circle, it's all, you know, very uniform structure. Um, that kind of flower structure to it. And, and will tend to have, uh, in some cases, foxtails kind of shooting off of that. Mm. But Romulan has a lot of, uh, has a lot of recessive wild genetics that can be passed on. She's very dominant in breeding. That's cool. And so I have to be really particular with, with what I breed her with. I mean, I probably have released about 30% of the stuff that I've actually made just because so much of it comes out a little redundant. There's no point releasing something that's not unique in its own. If it comes out and it's all basically just Romulan or it's all basically just the other parent, what was the point of making it? And stuff like that will get scrapped just right off the bat, just for that purpose alone. Um, so she's very dominant, and she will also have these weird underlying land race recessive stuff that can pop up here and there. There's a lot of twin seeds that are made when I breed with Romulan. There's frequently early mutations in the seedling stage that you'll see with some of the leaves and stuff. They'll form like webbed, and then they'll grow out of it, and it'll be perfectly fine once it's an older plant. Um, so it's what do you just, think uh, the twin seedling thing is from? Because uh, actually, uh, mainly my first release, I had tons and tons of uh, twins across all the lines, basically. You know, a lot of my customers and testers and stuff were reporting twins, and that was the first time I'd grown like multi, like tons and tons of some tons of twins. I've gotten a couple strains since then from people, a couple of like like a land race Afghan strain, a bunch of stuff was twins. But where mm-hmm. do, what do you think that's from? Is it like just a recessive wild trait or something else? I, I, I'm, I'm definitely no expert, but I, I do a hell of a lot of research because I nerd out on this stuff. And I, I read something at one point that had the answer. I wish I could remember it specifically right now. Um, it, it comes down to within the genetics. There's basically what you just said, kind of like a, a land race portion. But again, this is off the bullshit part of my memory. I, I don't remember it very well at all. But there's something that gets passed down that will cause that in it. Uh, it causes it in some cases like a lot more prevalent than you normally would see it. And it's something you can already normally see with seeds. When you look at a lot of them, you'll normally find, I forget, you know, I'll make up a number one in a thousand. Maybe we'll have this little twin seed trait to it. That's minorly formed as twin seeds, but with some 
type of genetic, some type of DNA uh, can be passed down, it'll happen much more prevalent, like one out of 100, one out of 20 even in some cases. I have, I've only seen it like maybe one in 100 at most, you know, as I'm sifting through seeds, I'll see one here and there. Dr. Dank, uh, Dr. Dank 420, for some reason I can't say that name, uh, says, question for Romulan, what's your gaseous strain? Um, one of the new ones coming out fermented that he, we showed a picture of earlier is really gassy. And uh, right now there really isn't anything available that's gassy. Most of the stuff that I put out kind of sells out pretty quickly. It's unfortunate in that sense. Um, a lot of it will come back out, but I, I sell stuff and it gets, goes to seed banks and people buy it up real way faster than I expect. And so it's hard to keep anything in stock. Awesome. Right now, I don't know that I can think of anything that's really gassy other than the uh, Airwolf. It's got some gassiness to it, but I really wouldn't call it gassy. Hmm. Uh, but some stuff coming up fermented, I think, will be in May. That's kind of the tentative date right now. So, yeah, is this the that one has got a, it's got a, a hint of a, a berry kind of citrus forward, berry in a lot of them. And again, hint. A, I like to be more realistic. Cannabis tastes like cannabis to me, but then there's these other flavors that go with it. So um, you'll never hear me say, well, it tastes exactly like a fucking Twinkie because it doesn't. It tastes like cannabis. Maybe at the end you get some cream and some cake in there, but usually not. This has a very distinctive at the beginning fruitiness that you get, and then it goes all gas, like fumy gas. And it kind of carries that little berry and and citrus-ish note through there. This cut that we're looking at had a lot more of a lot more of a berry citrus beginning with a bit of a floral addition to it that went to gas. And that was the that was one of the outlier cuts that I only saw one that looked like that. The rest were totally different. I'm digging the language. By the way, Flora, you got uh, rebooted. Uh, you were gonna ask something earlier. <clears throat> oh god, I'm just as a coffin. Hey, I'm in a little bit down here. Be back. <laughs> <laughs> very good catching catch people right when they're about to have a piece of pizza that just showed up or whatever else uh what are we looking at here is this a male is this a very frosty male or is this like a- i think no i think that's a reversal gotcha how fun is that that's probably uh well i think it's romulan reversed yeah i think i even say that in the post that's awesome oh uh maybe in the comments Oh, no, it does say Romulan reversal. Yep, right there. Seeds get a lot of uh, hate. What, what, what's your opinion on them? What seed smash? I, um, I do, oh, sorry. Uh, I said fem seeds get a lot oh, of hate. Fems. What's your opinion on them? I, I personally don't like them. I, oh. I've, I've, made, I've made mostly rig seeds. I, uh, so I started out, I released just Romulan regular seeds. And I got a whole shitload of flack from a very small group of people, but they like were relentless in the flack they gave me because I shouldn't have regular Romulan seeds. It's impossible to have a Romulan male because it's clone only and all this other shit that isn't true. Um, I got some flack. Anyway, I came out with Romulan feminized seeds. Sure, it's clone only for anyone who doesn't have the, the seeds, right? I mean, that's basically how it works. Yeah, exactly. At some point, it wasn't clone only. And there are some things out there that have been because the person who did that didn't have anything. They, 
they took that cut and that was it. There was nothing else um, to have from it. Um, but Romulan wasn't that case at all. It was something that a lot of different people were involved with breeding it over decades. And so there were kind of variations of it that popped up places. And once Joe Slykerman, who was known as Romulan Joe, brought it out into the public and it became kind of popular through him. And then it was found that well, Vic High also had it nearby and he acquired a cut too. Once those things kind of come out in the public, it was then called Romulan and and that's what everyone knew it as. So it moved on as Romulan, but before that it was several different names. That reminds me a lot of... It was uh, called... Oh, oh, sorry, if you... Go ahead. I'm just thinking of one of the older names for Romulan. It was something with pine. Port Alberni pine bud. That. Um, Philly, I was actually playing with uh, Call of Duty with him, and he was like, I really, I'm really looking for something that's piney. Like, I really, really want it. So, and he's yeah. like, he actually said that. He's like, that's the old name of it. And I never knew that. Speaking of, I yeah. guess, kind of piney, where's the pine maybe? Anyway, regardless, uh, I was going to say it reminds me a little bit. I've done, I guess, like you say, it's fun to nerd out on this kind of stuff. Uh, I've done a little bit of research on some of the stuff that's in my, well, my friend's Ruby Jack, basically my friend Brad, and I've used to breed other mm-hmm. stuff that I you know, create now. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? One of the foundational strains was Matanuska Thunderfuck. I was like, oh, that's such an interesting name. Mm-hmm. I've heard of Thunderfuck before. Da-da-da look into it right and there's not tons of really clear information but there's basically how do i say it i mean i've heard heard my stories from you know my friend stevie who allegedly actually had a cut of the matanuska thunderfuck or his friend had it i don't remember another story we need to get my friend back on the show but anyway uh it was like a cooperative land race selection strain or something i don't even know what you would call it but basically it sounds like what you're describing romulan yeah okay more or less everyone had sort of the same cuts but joe over on this side of the valley thought that it should be a little bit more piney and bill thought that it should be a little sweeter and mary on the other side of the valley on the other side of the hill was like oh we should mix some fucking waffles flavor into it or something and it's all basically still matanuska thunderfuck but slightly different version of it versions of it basically i don't know is that kind of fair for the romulan that's exactly spot on i i, I wouldn't I, i'm not going to speak for that that's the 100 percent truth of how uh, atf or matanuska thunderfuck was made I, i'm pretty sure that's true because i've heard all the same thing from a bunch of different people but I, i'm not going to say 100 percent because that wasn't me i wasn't that um but what you're saying is totally true um Way back then, they didn't have the delineations, the descriptions, all the, everything wasn't broken down like we have it now. It was, it's good weed, and you were growing the same seeds, we give it a name because here's where it was grown, or we just, it needs a damn name. And you all had the same stuff. Now, you might kind of think, well, I thought my stuff was great, but Mary's stuff is fantastic, you know, and I, I don't really like Joe's because he's he kind of sucks at growing anyway, but. I don't like the, the stuff that he always brings over as far as the weed goes. There was there was that going on. So people would kind of within their circle would be like, well, you know, Gary or Steve or whatever, they're they're the best. They've always got the best of it. But we're all growing the same stuff. We all have the same stuff in their mind. And then I, I think, you know, down the road, there would have been if we had that same situation now, you if it was me, you and these other people in this room, we'd be able to say, well, yours is a little more cheesier. Yours is a little more gassier. They weren't even talking that way back then. It was, this is some good shit. You know, that was about the extent of, of how they were describing it. 
What's your, uh, people are always wondering, and it's not always an easy answer to convey, but what's your selection process, both for uh, males, because people are always wondering about that, but then also for females or for just uh, plants in general, for breeding in general? What, what do you like to select for? What do you like to pick for projects, all that kind of stuff? So um, my primary uh, goal and focus is to make things that are very hardy, very vigorous plants that can withstand a lot of abuse if need be, that will perform and get through to a harvest um, with minimal effort from the grower um, and still perform and still still do decent. So everything that I do with breeding kind of starts with that process is the beginning selection is always which plant roots the fastest, which is the most vigorous, which is the most hardy, strongest branches, um, all of that. And then I get into, <clears throat> from the, that group that I've selected and narrowed it down to, then I get into what's the best smoke, um, what from the best smoke has the best yield or, or the best taste. Maybe at the end, I'm, I'm getting to where that that defines the selection but usually it kind of comes down to this one has everything right it if i'm breeding two parents like you know i'm taking filial generation we'll say i try to match the male and the female with each other i don't want to really start branching off genetically on an f2 or f3 or f4 so i'll make sure that the leaves the node structure the way the stems are everything is looking very symmetrical between the two plants if i put them side by side it'd be hard for me to tell them apart Unlike maybe some of the other stuff in the progeny that's got much fatter leaves or shorter node structure, things like that. Um, once I have those selections where I've got them kind of, you know, matching and, and, and looking similar, then it'll come down to, like with a male, which one is producing more pollen. Or in some cases, I test a few different males and see which one actually produces a better offspring to make the male selection. Um, with females, it'll, it's almost always once I get to the vigorous look that I want with the proper structure of the plant that I'm looking for. Now I'm going to look for which one has the best smoke, which one either is very unique in how it makes you feel or just kicks you and slaps you upside the head when you smoke it, you know, depending on if it's an indica or a hybrid or a sativa. Um, and then depending on that, if I have somewhere it's like I, Three, five, 12, and 20 are all just, I can't choose. So then I'll just look at the plant, look at the taste profile, see which one had a better yield, and then make my decision based off of those different things. But it's it always stems from which one has the most vigor, which one is going to be the hardiest plant that can be accidentally or even purposely abused the most and still end up something that's got a viable harvest off of it that you're not just going to throw it in the trash or shed a tear because you wasted four months, five, six months. You hear so often from uh, people who've been burned by seeds and they'll say stuff like, oh, my balls uh, did the, the, you know, it says 62 days on the back of the seed pack or whatever, 63 days, or whatever it is that they say it mm -hmm. wasn't done in, you know, nine, 10, 12 weeks, you know, like it still was green, you know, whatever. Uh, what else they'll say? Oh, it was supposed to taste like whatever gas or something be like, oh, it was, pine needles or whatever. Like basically people are disappointed right. so often, basically. And it comes from, uh, among other things, people not being even remotely as methodical as you've just, just described, like 
as you've just described it, like I, I'm pretty sure you can take it to the bank, whatever you say in your testing process, like that's, that's going to get delivered. You've actually done line yeah. reading in every single line. It looks like, yeah, that's pretty baller. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, you know, I, I'm very realistic. I've, I've, I haven't done this for very long. I'm still new at this and I'm still learning, but I've done it long enough now to have seen enough people make mistakes and, yeah. or I've made mistakes um, or just shit happen, but I, I've had enough, customers unhappy customers come to me and it's still a really really low amount but each one has been so personal to me and a big deal um so i know what i know what happens i know people can have everything's perfect in their grow and some shit herms or a couple of them are mutants and they just won't grow quickly or they get way too many males out of the pack then they really should have um i know that shit like that can happen and it, it's a hard process to kind of learn to swallow your pride and, and accept that uh, when you're when you're new to this starting out because you get judged from every corner that you're turning to, anyways. And then you have happy customers coming to you going, "Well, I'm not so happy." You know, I had this instance. I I don't blame you. I get it. But I had this thing that happened and kind of sucks. You know, um, it took me a while to get a little more comfortable with that because it it really hurt me initially. Like genuinely, it's like this is my art. You know, this is my baby and just hurt me. Um, but now it's just a thing where I, I just, I take care of everyone. I, I offer a full satisfaction guarantee for all my seeds that I sell. I, if someone comes at me for any reason, all I always say is just prove you bought the seeds, show the pack or show the email something. If you did give you a full refund or we'll give you replacement seeds. Cause I just want people to be happy with what I'm doing. And that's why I spend so much time doing it and put so much effort into it is because and that's why I want people to be in their grow room like me going, oh, my God. And then smoking it like me and going, holy crap, this is amazing. And every person that comes back to me and gives me that, it's, I just love it. I have, I have a clone. I'm never going to let it go. And, you know, there's people that are like, they, they call their, their clone keeper that they've got of my stuff. They, this is my wife. She's with me forever. Everything. All of that is just it feeds me it's why i do this it's really quite fulfilling it. it doesn't happen necessarily that often when you hear about that kind of stuff but every once in a while you get a, even a glimmer sometimes that uh, a strain that you've created i haven't been doing it even i think as long as you have and so I, I understand you basically the process basically just starts to unfold but i've already been doing it long enough that a couple people have given me a glimmer that the weed that i bred for them and then that they have grown basically has in some positive way changed their life. Like it's made their yeah. experience with their spouse better. It's made their days better. It's, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's added to their mm -hmm. life in some meaningful way. And it's kind of funny when you think about this, but seed breeders in a weird way are like, time delayed Santa Clauses or something. And we don't ever get to know about the joy, but we basically get yeah. to gift people some future joy in an ideal circumstance. Basically, that's what you do. And some of the strains, when I think about smoking sometimes with some of my friends in the past, sometimes the strains that we smoked really made the experience, you know, it really made like a, a giggly evening. I've heard that before a couple of times. And I, I talk so much shit about Mac one, but a couple of times I've smoked Mac one with some of my friends and they've told me, Oh my God, I had the best evening and so in the back of my head i have to remind myself even strains that i hate don't hate necessarily but strains that i talk shit about even strains yeah. like that it can have their wonderful value but anyway the point that i'm trying to get to is that you know i remember those kinds of things like oh my god i had the best giggly goofy happy time da, 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 da. 
doing stupid shit, mm-hmm. playing mini golf or whatever. You know what I mean? Smoking a joint. Everyone, everyone gets my strain or your strain. Hundred percent. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. They're all just chowing down on the freaking leftover turkey after Thanksgiving because they smoked Uncle Bill's stash or whatever. Hundred percent. You hear about that kind of right. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just it's it's so rewarding when that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, but you, you nailed it. It's like a time delayed Santa Claus thing. It's yeah. you know, it's like giving someone a gift and they're like, well, I'll open it eventually. Right. You know, there, and there's there's a lot of breeders that I think kind of suffer from that. There's they get hit really hard by people who just collect the seeds and they never really pop them. And so you have stuff where you're like, ah, I can't wait to get the feedback on it. And then it's just crickets right. that you get back and you're like, damn, you know, all right, well, eventually. And then eventually there's stuff that happens like that, where, you know, the people start popping those packs and they're like, oh my God. And they tell their friends and then that stream blows up because people finally popped them. What do you have uh, new coming up? Anything you're excited for? Yeah. Um, I have a, I have one coming out called Rom Scotty and I think it's going to be in April. Um, it's for Scotty and Romulan. And I really didn't have any high hopes for it when I made it, but it, uh, it's, 10 out of 10. It's the best thing I've made. I think it's, uh, it's the only thing that I've made, you know, Romulan, I didn't make, um, Romulan's in my top five smoke. Clearly it's the only thing I've made that enters my top five smoke of all time. Like I've had stuff that I've smoked that I've been like, Hey, I love it. It's great. It's fabulous and all that. But I still know in my mind that there's these legendary strains to me, you know, this one cut of Northern Lights number five, I got this one uh, hog's breath that we used to get back in the day. There's certain strains that I've smoked in the past that were just so damn good, consistently good every time. And they'll always be in my mind as like top five. And this one, from the first time that I've smoked it all the way through to smoking it, you know, way down the road now, every time I smoke it, it's just, it kicks you upside the head. It has the most complex taste. Hmm. And it's just super, super potent. And it's it's memorable. That that's, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can smoke that's great, but there's very few things that are really truly memorable. Mm. Sometimes it's because of the way they taste, sometimes it's because of the way they make you feel. Oh, and this one, it's it's you can be completely saturated and have smoked everything all day. And you go and smoke a bowl of this if you haven't smoked any of it yet that day, and it will kick you upside the head like you that's haven't awesome. been smoking. It's it's just really really good. I'm just I'm excited. It, uh... I'm excited to get it out there because I <clears throat> I can't wait to get other people growing this. I, I really want to hear some of that back from people. No, and I'm excited and just hearing you talk about it. I'm excited to hear people talk about it too. I'm looking it up. They have a clone of it, or they have clones of it, not just one clone, uh, over at uh, Archive over here, and they have uh, what's the cross. South Florida OG by Gelato number 25. We always hear about that goddamn gelato. Um, I don't know. I was kind of turning up my nose at it. I was like, yeah, biscotti, right? But the truth of it is that a lot of those cuts are actually delightful, especially when you cross it into something. And that South Florida OG, I guess not the Crippy, a different South Florida OG. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, what was yeah. I going to say? I feel like I was. Oh no, no, I was going to ask a couple uh, uh, questions from the, the chat from from the chat here. Seven. I never know how to pronounce his name. Seven ten DPO seventy one. I always miss the introductions. He has his, like his own show on uh, another channel. Seven ten DPO. Okay, cheers, buddy. He says, uh, "Has he ever run into a sterile 
cultivar while trying to breed. I guess you don't like femmes, so you probably haven't tried those because uh, a lot of times people will say that they've tried to feminize something and it just didn't you know, produce pollen or whatever. Have you had a sterile male before? Um, I did have, uh, yeah, I had one years ago. I, I don't, I, I don't know a hundred percent that it was sterile, but it was, uh, it was, it was weird. It was like nothing around it. When you keep males in, in clone form and you're kind of hunting through them for a while, sometimes just the, the clones will grow up and they'll start kind of pre-flowering on them. And if you have other female clones in there and they got pre-flower stigmas coming out, you're going to draw pollen on them. And at one point I had this one male that was kind of going through selection process and still hadn't been really fully you know, looked at that I was kind of kept taking off to the side because of other things. And I noticed that even though it was clearly dumping pollen on itself, nothing was turning brown on any of the other stigmas. So my assumption is it probably was, um, but I never really fully checked that because I chucked it after that. But um, no, I've done a lot of, uh, I've done a lot of feminized seeds. I, it's like some of the stuff I've got coming out again is feminized, but I, I did a minor release of fem seeds years ago. And then I just, was like, hey, I'm not going to make feminized seeds anymore other than my Romulan. And I'll probably have, you know, something else will come out, one other thing or something down the road, which ended up being communion. Everybody freaking asks for them. Everyone requests femmes completely all day long. And to yeah. the point that you think maybe the seed market is going completely to femmes, which is sort of distressing. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? It's it's not. Um, I've done fast, fantastic just selling regular seeds for years. And that's that's all I sold besides some Romulan femmes, but it was a real small part of what I was putting out there. Uh, and I've heard from a lot of my seed banks that they're doing like 60% regs, 40% femmes. It's you. the ones that are the more kind of, for lack of a better way to explain it, the more the seed banks that sell more pop music instead of just other things. They sell seeds that are more in the pop culture. I got you. Um, they will sell it mostly femmes because that's what they're doing. They're, they're selling a lot of the different breeders out there that are putting out 10, 20 different femme strains at a time. They're doing it multiple times a year. And so that's what they make their bread and butter off of. Mm. Um, but there are a lot of other seed banks out there and a lot of uh, ones that have been around for a long time that sell a little over half of regular seeds. And it's not a problem at all. But you do get, you get a lot of customers asking, is, is this gonna come out in femmes? Are you gonna sell femmes? And so finally I said, okay, I'm going to make some and some of them, I, you know, things didn't work out. Some of them I didn't have any kind of high hopes for, but you know, like the biscotti and Romulan, I was, it was just, you know, biscotti is okay to me. There's nothing special about it. Um, but this cross came out beyond what anything I could have ever expected. And it is special. And some of the other stuff that I did that I didn't really have such high hopes for this fem stuff came out really, really good. Um, the sourdough that I got from my buddy, I already knew that was going to be good because that sourdough was crazy. Um, but it's uh, it, it is it is this process. Uh, the, my Romulan is really difficult to reverse, and I had to learn for a while to get to do it effectively. But there's there's some tricks to it. Um, people don't really kind of think about numbers when they're trying to make seeds in a room necessarily. Some people will think I'm going to do this cross, I've got these clones and I'm going to reverse this one clone here and that'll make pollen to seed these plants. Instead of thinking, I've got this one clone, I'll make several of it and reverse several of them to make plenty of pollen in the room to get seeds off of these plants. That way, it's almost like you're backing up, backing up, backing up everything. Even if one or two or three of them don't perform properly, you're still going to get enough off of that 
to make it worthwhile. And if you don't, you just repeat the process. You've still got the clones. You just do it over again. And yeah, it kind of sucks to do that and not get make enough seeds in one run. But after you do that a few times, you learn to get a little bit better, to douse the plants a little more than you normally would to ensure that they'll reverse or use different methods of using not just SDS, and, but use that in colloidal and kind of combine them and attack it from two different fronts. And um, there's ways to go about it where you can make it very effective, making feminized seeds just like regular seeds. But as far as making the amount of them, it's 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 like night and day when you're making regular seeds. It's very simple. You have your male and he puts out so much pollen that you can just keep putting females in the room and letting them get pollinated by this thing. You know, with feminized stuff, you have this really tiny window of when they put out good pollen that will be viable and in the air. And, uh, you know, but there, there's stuff I've learned along the way. You don't, uh, when you get to that end of that window, I take down my, my reversed males, reverse plants, and I hang them in the room where everything's growing in, let them dry out in the room, knock all the pollen off them, let it get a last dusting, mark that date, go eight weeks later. So the seeds have plenty of time to, to form fully. Um, and I noticed that on stuff that I didn't really get a great thing from just airborne pollination and fans blowing the pollen around. Once I hang them and kind of shake them out and collect that and then blow that off into the room. Once I do that, everything turns, all the stigmas go colored and I get, you know, a really, really great production run on seeds. So that was like the last little dialing up the knob thing that I did that, that helped me out. But it's numbers. Sometimes you got to do like two to one reversal. You got to do two female plants to one reversed. Or you might be lucky and have like four or four to one. But when you start doing numbers like that, you start getting closer to how it is making great seeds. How tall do you get your plants that you reverse? Um, depends. I mean, I've done none of it really huge. Some, some of it might be like four feet tall. Most of it's going to be two to three feet. Yeah, that's a good size. Okay. I, 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 most of my rooms are set up with a lot of the way I do things is sea green. Cause I can, you know, I can do clones and stuff and I can get more plants in there to narrow things down when I'm hunting and stuff. The feminized thing is kind of foreign to me, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn also. How do you separate your flower, like the stuff you're going to smoke from your seed run? Uh, they're going at two totally different times. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll, when I do, my my breeding rooms have double HEPA filtered intake and, and exhaust, so no foreign pollen can get in, no foreign pollen can get out. And when I do a breeding run and it's seed and pollen and everything, I'm going in there fully sterilizing the room, spraying down every surface to uh, make all any pollen that even if it's there, it's now it's not viable. Once you get it wet, it, it's, it's dead to a stigma. And so we spray it down and then sanitize everything, get it all wet and let it sit and air out for a week or two to just fully ensure um, or only run veg plants in that room for a few weeks that don't have any stigmas forming on them to ensure that there's no cross-contamination. Um, but any breeding runs are spaced out pretty far. I do a testing run in between a breeding run in each room. So while I'm testing, if some seeds accidentally get made because some pollen accidentally got missed somewhere, it's not anything that's going to taint my production seeds in any way. 
By the way, we're getting a, a question from Lou Gomez, and I think I understand. I'm going to ask it anyway, but if we have to clarify it, we can always uh, ask him in the chat. He's saying, how important is plant structure in decision-making as opposed to undisclosed genetic values? My assumption, he means basically plant structure versus like testing, basically, but I, you can interpret it any way you want, or if you, we, if you want, we can clarify yeah, in the chat. Yeah, I'm, I'm- not entirely sure what he means by the uh, undisclosed Yeah, Lugo, give us a little bit more on that. What are you trying to, to ask uh, a little bit more specifically, please? Uh, and then let's see here. Uh, how many times, I, I forget actually who asked this, uh, how many times have you found exactly what you were planning for in uh, breeding? <laughs> like twice, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, it very, very rarely happens. I, um, I had... Uh, the, the strain peach around that it would be with a new one coming out. Um, I knew, I, I knew, and I knew it was going to be peach and it did. It came out peach and it's weird to know that you're going to cross Romulan with Tropicana cookies and know it's going to come out peach because mm-hmm. neither one of them are anywhere in that area. Really, you know, Tropicana is citrus, but I just knew that this is what it's going to happen. And it's exactly, you open the room, it smells like fucking peaches. It's fantastic. It's- wonderful yeah but it, it no like almost never you, you have this idea in your mind and this plan and this you know okay I, I threw all that out the window years ago of like you know I'm, i know exactly what it's going to be or you know i'm hoping this is exactly what it's going to be like and now it's more like okay i need to this is the avenue i want to go down right. so i'm going to start with this car and this car because they're good for this avenue and we'll see where this avenue leads to. You know, that's really how it is. It seems too uh, too cocky, honestly, to to know what's going to come from a breed run. Like you can have some pretty good suspicions, but I mean, I've been yeah. consistently surprised every time it comes out. Maybe in small ways, you know, the flavors or maybe the colors mm-hmm. or whatever else. But I mean, like, there's always surprises. I guess that's another interesting question. How often has a pleasant surprise? You mentioned the. Uh, I'm already forgetting the fermented. Uh, how often has there been like a pleasant outlier surprise that became like maybe, maybe not your favorite, but, you know, maybe even your favorite part of the, the breed. Has there been something that basically surprised you and became the, the, the best part of the strain for you? Um, usually the surprises aren't the best part. I, I, on the stuff I've put out and released. This stuff that I've shelved and been like, it's this isn't for everyone. I'm not going to, you know, sell these. Um, I have had several things through those that I found where it was, you know, here's the, the majority of the progeny. I'm just like, shit, shit, shit. It's just all shit. Like, I'm so fucking unhappy with this. But this one plant, where the fuck did you come from? Mm-hmm. You know, and I got my eyes on it the whole time. And then at the end, I'm, I'm already salivating, waiting to try it, you know? And so I tried the other ones already with this negative mindset. And I'm like, yep, shit, it was going to be shit. And it usually, usually it is. It's not, I'm not just making it up in my head. It's usually shit. And then I turn to the one that, you know, I'm you know expecting to be so good. And every now and then it actually is. And so then I'm sitting there looking at like, well, you know, I've got some stuff in jars and things that it's eventually I want to go back through and hunt through and find that special something I found. and then take that away and do something else with that thing and, you know, keep that cultivar shelf and, and never, you know, release that cross that I made. That's basically garbage, but I found a few things in there that weren't that they stuck out as very special. Um, so yeah, I've had stuff like that happen. 
And I remember, you know, when those jars empty, just feeling like, yeah, it sucks that I don't always take clones of stuff that I'm just running through testing. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm not going to breed with it, I'm not taking clones of it. Cause I have so many fucking clones I'm trying to juggle. So when I'm just doing like production testing, it's like, well, there's no sense in taking clones of these. And every now and then something will pop up where I'm like, Oh my God, right. why didn't I take a clone of that? And I've, I've learned about it's totally fine for anyone to reveg and, and keep a cut from that. But I've learned from a genetic standpoint, you don't want to do that. It, it can cause some damage in the DNA and stuff, and it can cause some problems. Um, We've had that discussion I, before. Where, where did you, or how did you learn that? Because I think we, um, uh, I don't remember when we were talking, there was a whole discussion that I was part of at some point. We were discussing that, like, oh, is it harmful to reveg something? And I said, basically, or I think I said that I've gotten stuff that's reveged and never quite been normal again, which doesn't seem really reasonable unless something basically happened. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes you'll reveg and, and not see any, any problems at all. But that basically told me that something weird may, might be happening. What, like, what, what research did you do or what, how did you find that there's a, a problem? Way, I read a bunch of uh, non-cannabis related stuff uh, that's all throughout the agricultural community about you know plant biology. And what? No, it has to always be about cannabis for it to be true. So, um, so I think it was probably one of those articles, one of those uh, journal things that I read. Um, but it was essentially just talking about you know just basic plant DNA, okay. and and it's not a universal law that when you reveg, you know, what I was starting saying, it's not an issue for anyone to do it. Do it. If you like doing it, do it. It's fine. I don't do it as a practice across the board because if I'm keeping a cut, I'm, my idea is I'm going to breed with that probably, not just have a clone cut and it's clone only and that's it. I think that's, there's no sense in that for me. I, I make so many different things. Um, so if I'm going to keep it around, I want it to be clean genetically and I don't want to possibly taint it if I can help that. So um, if I haven't taken a cut of something and I see it in flower just performing, I don't even, it's, it's my loss for not taking a clone. You know, it's not something that I'm going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to trim it down and put it back in veg and try to keep something off of that. Just because everything I have, I'm eventually going to breed with it. What I've learned is it can cause some problems. And if it causes some little underlying problems, and what if those don't come out till later and I start a project for an F8, I'm thinking in my brain, I'm going to take this to, you know, I probably won't ever get IPO with it, but I can get F8, F10 or something, get it real homogenous. And then about F4, it just falls apart on me and, and everything just goes to shit. And it's not because of anything other than there's this underlying recessive gene that keeps popping up that you can't get rid of. that got broken in the, in the DNA chain. Um, so it's stupid and silly for me to even be concerned about it. But no, I, I understand it. I think that's I, one I, of the I worries so that uh, things. It's, I filed it away, and it's like, okay, well, then revegging is something I'll just stay away from. We, uh, we've discussed kind of versions of that story basically on the show a bunch of different times. I can't remember all the different times we talked about it. But what am I trying to say? The way that we've kind of uh, talked about it is compounding errors. I think um, mainly this has come up when we've talked about like feminized breeding. And I've mentioned that, you know, I don't know if this is a a real issue, but my paranoia a little bit about fem breeding. And one of the reasons why I've stayed away from it, not 
avoided it necessarily, but just, you know, avoided working on projects is because I'm, I, I keep thinking to myself, okay, what if I compound some errors down the line? Like actually all, almost all my strains that I breed with, I have some intention of maybe doing some line work in the future. And like you say, what if I basically have that same error on both sides that I'm going to then cross to each other? Cause I might pull out the male and a female, or I guess if it's femmes, I might cross the femmes again. Anyway, right. I'm going to basically multiply that error uh, uh, down the line. Like you say, actually, I guess it, you, you verbalized it very, very well. In fourth or fifth generation, all of a sudden my project falls apart by a mistake that I made maybe two years ago, right? Because maybe I didn't pop everything right away. That would be infuriating. It's such a waste of time too. Or if you released it to customers, you would end up basically having to eat so much fucking crow in terms of either really unhappy customers. Because some people that uh, uh, get a bad product just never contact you again right it's like the same thing with yeah. Costco, trader joe's they one, that wonderful one return policy 100 percent. they'll just and not only that they're fucking father fewadar is such a bastard yeah. he fucked me over yeah. well they could have <laughs> just you know emailed or they could have just gone back to costco and you know gotten a new microwave or whatever but people are people right and some people are like oh it's not worth the trouble i'm just gonna go do something else but how do i say it like that's maybe a customer that won't come back to you and 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 buy seeds from you in the future or something. Or how do I say that? That's someone that you did not give joy to, I guess, as your little weed Santa Claus. I don't know. I'm babbling a little bit. Right. Uh, right. I was going to say, you did say you were in a little bit of a time commitment. You're more than welcome to hang out, hang out here. We're having a wonderful, pleasant discussion. And we're going to be here uh, a little bit, quite a bit. I, I, haven't gotten any, I haven't gotten any complaints from the family on the other side of the door there. Well, right on. Yet. Awesome. Other than my cat, I think wants the hell out of this room, man. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm good so far. I'm having a good time. Cheers. This is this is, this is fun. It doesn't. Uh, I hate it when uh, doing things like this when it begins to really genuinely feel like I'm like sitting on a Letterman show and being scrutinized or something, you know. And I just feel like we're hanging out chatting. So this is good. It's nice. It's organic. That's it. I need to start asking you more. When did you know Romulan, and why did you know him? No, I don't know. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> No, I didn't. I didn't at all. But since I started doing this, I've met uh, his. Uh, his. I've had some pretty good conversations with his best friend from the time. Mm. I've learned. I've learned so much about stuff I knew nothing about when I got into doing this. It's. It's really cool. The history of all the different things is just fantastic. Speaking of Romulan Joe or anybody else, uh, who are your cannabis idols or legends? Who do you look up to? Man, I had a long list. Years ago, I had a long list. I've learned not to look up to your idols. Don't don't put anyone up on a pedestal as a hero That's because a we're all just human, we're simple. all just human beings. Yeah, uh, I always say never meet your heroes, which is not always true. Sometimes yeah. your heroes are nice people, but you have to remember that sometimes they're yeah, really yeah. not. Yeah, and and that's what I've learned is that there have been some people that I really really held high up, like in high regard. And they turned out to be some of the nastiest wild people that I've met in this industry. Huh. There have been other ones that I, I didn't really know anything about. And I'm just kind of, whatever. And it turns out I should have cared deeply about this person, you know, giving me their time. And, and they truly are legendary. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I, the, the person that I fanboy with is Kagu uh, um, from Coastal Seeds because he, he, uh, he doesn't just make cannabis seeds. He all, he's got a, a side job where he, works in the agriculture industry he has all this background of schooling and education and the guy is very smart very intelligent um and he is just off doing his own thing and he's not paying any attention to what the world wants with cannabis he's doing what he wants and he's doing very good work in my eyes um so people like him are the kind of people that i i 
I still look up to is um, he's just got a very old school method about what he's doing. And uh, I always value that. It's a very healthy perspective. If you don't, let's say, uh, have uh, uh, cannabis idols, are there people that you, for example, look to for, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Inspiration? Yeah, inspiration maybe might be the best word. Yeah, Um, lots, lots of people. Um, All the way from just, uh, you know, a few different guys that just grow in their tent and post up on Instagram to people that are doing commercial cultivation stuff. I've got quite a few different people that I, you know, some, some are just photographers, they photographers turn breeders too. And, um, I just look at the quality of, you know, if they're a photographer, their imagery, and I'm already being inspired by that and certain things. Um, but when people are, are also into breeding and they're doing things where I'm just, I see the choices they're making for the parents, but I also, you know, I'm looking at the end result and stuff and how they're showing their work and doing things that uh, a lot of other breeders don't really care to do for people. And um, it, that's inspiring stuff. It really is. It's a, it's a little scary if, uh, you know, there's a lot of people getting into this industry as breeders that are kind of new about it. And it's, you know, there's this waves that kind of happen with cannabis breeding, mm. people making seeds, you know, it kind of falls off with some people and then new ones come in. Oh, I definitely kind of, I'd be a hypocrite kind of a if I didn't brush. admit that I was basically part of that. Uh, what what sets the because I I've only been doing this for like a year and a half, two years. What sets apart, in your opinion, the successful people, the people that hopefully will stick around, uh, versus the people who are uh, either unsuccessful or just basically fell off the map? The um, not necessarily. I don't I don't even say this for the the normal you know, negative connotations that people use it as, but if you're in it for mostly money, again, not necessarily, those are the people that tend to fall off sooner and faster. The ones that aren't really passionate about making seeds, they're just making seeds. Um, The people who are very passionate about it and tend to have a very uh, kind heart and care about you know, the people they're selling seeds to or giving away seeds to, however they start doing it. Um, those are the people who you start to see really thrive, the ones who are very humble and um, always kind of compassionate about what they're doing and understanding. Those are the ones that people grow their seeds and maybe it wasn't fabulous, but they they liked it, but they feel this need to like, I just love who this person is so much. I'm going to tell my friends about this weed that it was good, you know, it's it good weed. And you get more of a word of mouth spread just because you're a good person. And it's not really the good karma. It's just kind of like people like that about you as a breeder. He's always chatting with us. He's always helping us out and giving seeds away to people, whatever it is. But, you know, you do that, you have a kind heart and you have more of an open mind towards people and you tend to succeed a little bit more and and last around longer. The people that get very, uh, egotistical and, and arrogant about things tend to fail pretty quickly. I mean, from the outside looking in, it's like, you got to have faith in your brand, obviously to succeed. Like you gotta, you gotta fully put yourself into it. But at first you're not, like he said, you can't really be in it for the money, you know, cause at first no one's going to like, you're not going to really be known until you go to enough events or your cut or one of your strings really wins a cup. Like, that's how people yeah. kind of 
get the name and then they they turn the whole breeding into their business, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know, Big Mike makes people pour milk on them. <laughs> we just pour milk on each other. That's right. Uh, it's probably the lactose. That's the lacto lactobacillus. That's probably what it is. Secretly, Big Mike is introducing everyone to uh, Korean natural farm. I don't fuck it around. There's nothing wrong with Big Mike. Uh, yeah, exactly right. What was I going to say? Do you have? Uh, uh, I don't know. I hope this is a good question. Do you have a plan? All good basically. Well, there's a such thing as stupid questions I've found in my life. Like, okay, I guess this is a matter of opinion. In my opinion, a stupid question is something that you know the answer to already. In other words, if you're wasting everyone's time, the person you're asking the question to, and your own time because you should have just basically looked it up yourself or whatever, that, in my opinion, is a stupid question. Anything that you genuinely don't know the answer to is, I would say, not necessarily, maybe a dumb question, but not a stupid question necessarily. Oh. Exactly. I can argue a little bit on that just for the fact that like, we do shows, you know what I mean? So I'll ask questions all the time of like answers just to get more information out there. Sure. So if someone didn't hear it, they now heard it. But I get what yeah. you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like if I was just talking and like me, you, and Romulan are there in a table. Yeah. There's even a word for that. I can't think of the, the word for a performative question or something. Anyway, basically like that, when you're on TV and you play the dumb studio audience, you're like, well, the studio isn't dumb, but they don't necessarily know the answer. Even if you know the answer and you ask them, well, tell us more about this amazing thing. Anyway, uh, tell us more about uh, this amazing thing, uh, uh, specifically your, what was I just asking about your, Okay, I am smoking weed. But let, let, me, let me let me let me let me let me fill in while you think, um, <laughs> if I can regain my train of thought because I just almost lost it too. Uh, every <laughs> single time I put a post up on Instagram, every single time, multiple times, the post will say, for example, "This is Dixon Cider. It's made with Gelato Thirty Three and Romulan." Says that underneath it. Says drops February tenth, Friday. Here's the seed banks underneath where it drops at. The questions I will always get from random people, usually not people who consistently follow me, so I give them credit on that. They maybe just saw the picture and immediately hit comment, and I get that. But it's funny because they'll say, when's it drop? What are the, what's the cross? Uh, what seed banks are it going to be at? And it's, it's, all, all right. it's all right there. You just need to just read a few. It's just a few lines. It's not Scroll even, down slightly. Not even a paragraph. You know, it's just a few little lines of text. Little, little letters put together. It took as you words, more time to DM me than it would to scroll down further. Yeah. 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 So sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm a complete asshole. I can't help it. Sometimes I'm like half asleep. I just woke up and I know and it's better than to open my phone and start answering people. But sometimes I forget and do it. And then I go and run my mouth and say something all smart ass and sarcastic. And they're like, damn, I was just asking a question. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Shouldn't have said it like that. Uh, but it's what those people don't realize is that I deal with it just fucking constantly, constantly. And it's, it's, I gotta have some humor about it. I gotta be able to laugh about it a little bit. Cause it's just, every time I put a post up, I get three, four or five different people. And there'll even be people that, uh, my alarm's going off to go check my girl room, but it'll be okay. Um, there'll even be people that will ask, you know, in the comments, the same question 
that's just been answered and I've pinned to the top of the comment. So if anyone else comes in and doesn't read before they can leave a comment, they see the top comment is when's it drop? And I've answered it. You know, it's in the post, but here, here's when it's drops. And then they'll just repeat the same question. It's like, I don't even know how you miss every cue along the way and do that, but, but it happens. Ryan Korkowski, always with the real questions here in the chat. He asks, uh, do you have a favorite actual Romulan from Star Trek? In other words, a specific Romulan character from Star Trek. Do you have a favorite among them? Nice. Uh, so um, the true story is I absolutely hate Star Trek. <laughs> I cannot oh, stand the fucking show right now. I you're cannot right. stand the show. So <laughs> when, I was a kid, when I was a kid, my dad loved it. He watched it all the time. And uh, it was funny because, like, you know, I, w- I was, you know, watching uh, Dukes of Hazard or, you know, a little older Airwolf or something, you know, MacGyver. And, was all, and dad hated all those shows. Just fucking hated them. Couldn't stand Knight Rider and all that crap. Um, and with the shows he liked, I absolutely hated. Like, he just loved Star Trek and, and a few other things. We got along with everything, everything else that we did in life. We could watch the same movies and everything, but TV shows that I never got along with. Did your dad do the old westerns too? Yeah. And I hated them when I was a kid. I love them now. I I I fucking hated them. They were so boring. And now I love them. Like I've watched them all. I'm the opposite. When I was a kid, I loved the shootest and all the goddamn John Wayne movies. And now they're so fucking boring to me i love the spaghetti westerns i actually just watched uh, once upon a time in the west the other day with charles bronson yeah. which is very yeah. slow paced i mean you forget how very slow long. paced those movies were but do the john wayne stuff i can't fucking stand him anymore yeah, yeah. i'm more of the a whole army movie too. sorry d it's all right i have i like the old have gun will travel era that's an old TV show. Hallelujah. Anyways. Let's all dating ourselves here. I can't remember how old we are now. Uh, I'm so old, apparently, that uh, when I was a kid, uh, the TV only had like three, four stations. <laughs> These yeah. days, it's all yeah. like streaming and whatever. It's kind of funny to think about all the different generations of children. Like, you know, like when you're a kid now, like. There's no you used like, to get up TV. early to catch that. Yeah, there, there's no weird like you know he likes the cat in black and white before it's the Sunday Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Or if your friends had like Skinamax, or if their friends had uh, uh, the fucked up Skinamax, none the of black, that stuff exists. You would describe that to somebody, they would just be like, "What are you talking about? Like pixelated pictures coming? What are you talking? Or static images? What's a static image? Like um, I remember when the uh, uh, TVs all switched from like analog to digital. And I remember actually kind of freaking out about it because I was like, Oh, all my friends are going to like, their TVs are going to stop working. turns out you just had to get like this box. And then they just ended up, most people just ended up getting new TVs anyway. That was the thing. Like the flat screen TVs became so cheap that people just bought those and threw away their old TVs. And so it was like a non-issue or you could basically order this box that a bunch of people did. And sure enough, like everybody had their TV. They're like, there was no issue. So, Good. Back in the day, Fumi, my grandfather was the plug for the black boxes. <laughs> so even if your black box got zapped, he would fix it. Like he, he he would get the resistor and everything to fix them. So we always had a black box most of, or most of the time. At one point, though, like good old the cable, days. yeah, the cable company would zap them. If you go to watch anything like big, like the Super Bowl or something. 
Or if you like leave it plugged in at night, they would be like, oh, make sure you unplug it at night so they don't zap it. Look at these amateurs in the chat. Ryan Gorkowski asking a great question, but he himself is also basically indifferent to Star Trek. He says he wasn't even aware that there was more than one Romulan that had names. See, there was, for example, I remember the name T'Pol. I can't really think of any other Romulan names right now, but I can think of the Romulan chick just because she was played by uh, Kim Cattrall. Uh, she was apparently half Romulan, half Vulcan, and she ended up being like a little spy. Uh, then there were some Romulans yeah. in uh, what the, 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 I'm forgetting a few different Romulans. Well, Romulans can't be trusted. We, we know that for sure. No. Uh, right, D? That's it. We know that for sure. <laughs> uh, okay, well, we're, there was another question here in the chat. It was, uh, I think I'm losing it. Uh, why did the Romulans use Klingon ships? I don't think he'll know the answer to that. Now you guys are just, just asking stupid questions. No, someone did say, where did we get the Romulan origin story from? <sighs> Uh, we kind of did. I guess we didn't get the original, like, you actually, you know what? We glossed over this completely because, uh, now that I think about it, there's the Romulans right there. We know they, they look evil just because of how they are. Uh, what was I going to say? You mentioned that the Romulan was originally Thai seeds. And I've heard a billion and one times that the Romulan was from Korean war vets and it was a Korean land race. And Korean I guess we Thai. just completely Korean Thai. So, okay. Yeah. But but if you if you think about that the anomaly of that Korean tie right, so that that's why I've just I've kind of grown comfortable with just calling it tie because if it's tie it's tie if it's Korean it's Korean so I don't really they got it from Korea it was tie seeds my guess is that's why they called it Korean tie and so tie would be more accurate I think but over the years that's everyone is always it's Korean tie is what it's called it's what's what's listed on my website and everything because there's there is i've got, I've, I've got a whole Go ahead, sorry. i've got a whole breakdown on my website under the about section at romulangenetics.com so if you want to read the whole history and everything I, i've i've answered this question for years and That's years, one of years so many that times really it, i got you <laughs> yeah well no i mean it's it's it, it, some one of those things where it started out with just you know i was no, giving yeah. cuts away people were like where'd you get the cut and i'm like my dad and it was real simple and then it progressed over time where people would ask more questions. I got used to people asking more questions. Then I got to the point where I just told people like the whole damn story. And they were like, Oh, all right. So I realized, okay, I don't need to do all that. <laughs> well, it's too much, bro. I don't want that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and, but then eventually got to this where I was just constantly having people ask me and I would tell them and it'd be like in DMS or in comments. And I just keep repeating myself. And so I was like, I'm just going to put this up on the website. So people, I can just be like, you can go read the whole thing there, and I can give you just a real short synopsis, which is was started in the 50s. It was bred by a bunch of different people in this like you know, conglomerate group over a you know a good regional distance spanning from Vancouver, British Columbia, going down into California. Um, and they stopped breeding it sometime in the early 80s. And from there on, it ended up spreading out. And I think it was like about 10 years later where Romulan started kind of you know going public as as far as people known as Romulan. By the way, the but yeah, if you want the full descriptive thing, it breaks down not just what I've learned about the history of Romulan and what's been passed down to me from a bunch of different people and, and what comes in part from my experience as a kid, but how I got involved and includes, you know, some, some of my childhood and my upbringing and stuff and why I have to cut now and all that. That's cool. 
And I was going to change the subject completely uh, because basically the guys in the chat have no idea what they're talking about. They're talking about the Romulans having used Klingon warships in Star Trek. And I'm like, maybe there's one alliance when the Romulans use the, the Klingon warships or something, but they wouldn't be fucking caught dead basically in the Pintos. Like the Klingons had like Pintos compared to the Romulans had like Porsches. The Romulans powered their uh, spaceships with artificial singularities like little black holes, basically, in uh, each warship. So it had theoretically limitless power, whereas uh, the Klingons had to use dilithium crystals. And we know that because they actually burned out the dilithium crystals in the freaking Romulan Warbird when uh, McCoy and Spock and all those fuckers basically followed. I can't remember right now who they followed, but they followed somebody back in time, uh, and they basically burned out the, the dilithium crystals on the... Where it basically formed the whole fucking plot of the movie, pretty much. The one where they had to bring the whales back. Yeah, that's what it was. The, the, yeah. the, 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 the voyage home. I think it was the voyage home. They were coming back with Spock or whatever. And then they yeah. were coming back, like the whole gigantic spaceship thing that they didn't even know where it came from. It was looking for whales. And in the process, they, they, they were looking for whales. Uh, they were like, uh, 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 it was evaporating the oceans. It was very bad. You, know, you don't want to evaporate the oceans. Anyway, this is pretty nerdy. So they basically decided, hey, as one does, let's go back in time and find some whales. So they went back in time and found some whales, but the downside is that they burned out the crystals. If they'd had a fucking Romulan warbird, they would have had an artificial singularity. They could have powered that thing forever. Just uh, turn the grill you're, on. You're making me realize I've missed so much by not watching the show. You see? So how long did you uh, serve for? And thank you for uh, your service, no. by the way. Thank you. Uh, about five years. Okay. Uh, any cool stories that you can tell? I guess we'll ask. I uh, I, I don't uh, I don't even like thinking about it, let alone talking about it, brother. All right. I, I have some very cool stories. If you ever face to face with me and get me really drunk, you'll hear some of them. But I, I got scars. I got scars all over my body. So. Yeah, my best friend uh, got oh, sent. Uh, he was actually sent over. It was really crazy, and then ended up in red zone the whole time as a. Uh, Army Reserve. And, yeah. I mean, I've heard some... I, I mean, I was more asking for, like, good travel stories. Sometimes, like, you get to travel and do fun things, like... Oh, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, there, there was a, a, a lot of that. A lot of fun stuff. A friend of we mine was a Marine to, uh, in uh, the Philippines and uh, had a girlfriend in the Philippines. This was in the 1970s, right after Vietnam, actually. <laughs> and his girlfriend uh, had him eat... Uh, Monkey hand pizza. It was apparently the like most delicacy pizza. Oh. Like, they're, they're everyone's favorite pizza in that town. Like not even fucking around. That was their favorite pizza in that town. And so he was like, "Okay, bring me your favorite pizza." And it was monkey hand pizza. Oh. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you you know, there's places where you can get a like an egg on you know side street food vendor shit where it's an egg. It's like an actual fucking chick inside of it. You know, it's not like really just an egg. It's like yeah. a fetus in there. Loot. They actually right. like it because the bones are crunchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And fantastic stuff. Yep. I was just talking about today <laughs> about a delightful dish called um kukurech, I think it's called. Uh and it's actually not just Turkish, it's actually a Greek dish, I want to say. Uh, but mm -hmm. it's like all around the Balkans. And now, you know, they, they sell it in Turkey is what I was talking about with a friend of mine. And uh, basically it's uh, 
So every, everything in Turkey is on like a freaking skewer, right? But uh, this one, instead of like a long skewer up and down, it's basically horizontal. They skewer, it's kind of like a rotisserie basically. And on that skewer, they put a uh, lamb fat, some awful, I can't think of which one, not like awful, like something as awful as it not good, but like <laughs> awful, uh, some kind of different organs. And then they wrap all that basically in what looks like a, spiral almost football shape basically of uh, intestines and then they grill that basically uh to me there's almost nothing worse i cannot fucking stand the smell of it can't stand the concept of it or the sight of it for some people it's a goddamn delicacy oh apparently it's wonderful for me the smell of it have i had what it's just it's just raw fucking lamb no, oh, I've had tartar. I've had beef tartar. It's just raw. They put like a little sesame seed in it, a little bit of olive oil. It just makes it up real good. Like like you're gonna make meatloaf, but you don't. You just put it in a pan, and people just start eating it. like your whole life, you, it will get you very sick. Really? But yeah, so it's an Arabic thing. Like I've I've, I've dated some Arabic girls in my past and stuff, and uh, you know, it's a family thing. They'll, they'll make it like it's What's a it dish that everyone eats and kibbe. So there, there, there's a couple different versions of it, but I think I think kibbeh is the raw one, if I'm remembering right. This is okay because kibbeh are just um, I want to say that's like one word for kind of kofta or something. Maybe kibbeh is something else. Kibbe, here it is: raw seasoned ground lamb. Uh, yeah, interesting. All right, you know what? I, probably, yeah. I bet you you don't always get sick because stuff like this is just like beef tartare. Uh, if it's prepared right, it's actually perfectly safe to eat, but it, it has to be prepared with like actually safe meat that didn't have any pe- uh, uh, parasites in it. And then also exactly. has to be uh, refrigerated basically. So what they do is they like nowadays, they just go to like any old store and get it. And then they just say a prayer over it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, what I'm familiar with two different families doing the same thing. I mean, uh, the thing is that a lot of places they just kind of say, just say a little blessing over not, it, and then they feel comfortable. Yeah, they do not have the same food set. I, I see this because I really like. Uh, I really like um, different really got like, bio. Yeah, I like uh, well that too. But I really like watching uh, food videos from around the world, basically. And I'm always <laughs> stunned because, like, some of the stuff that you see, you're like. Bro, that would get an F. <laughs> the fucking the local food safety. I don't care who it is. If it's the local grandma who checks the food safety, like it would still get an yeah. F. Okay, so yeah, this same. is basically this looks like the Lebanese version of beef tartare. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah, and if this is made right, there's actually no reason why this would make you sick. But again, if someone yeah, had, if someone didn't wash their fucking hands, and how common is this? Basically, in the, in, even in the Western world, uh, if they didn't wash their hands after going to the bathroom and then made you this uh, uh, lamb kibbeh. Nai, and then basically it's raw lamb and then did not get cooked you basically ate the raw lamb you basically ate their e coli and stuff like that so you get nice and sick from that so yeah yeah so yeah. Romulan, you were saying that like at one point you're you you're, you watched your dad have like packs dropped off from a plane there That's must incredible. be some cool, there must yeah. be some cool <laughs> stories from there of going to yeah. places or meeting cool like crazy people so you give us a good story before, like all of them are obviously fictitious fictional oh, stories. Yes. yes, they're all totally made up. Well, so the thing is, it's like uh um I, I was I was really young for a lot of these. So I have glimpses of craziness and stuff, but like the whole story is it's kind of you know flimsy. I, I remember, you know, trucking around in, in my diaper and everyone's left the room and the scale's still sitting there with just a fucking mountain 
of white powder on it, you know, and I'm like playing with it, move, moving it scale to scale. And I was like probably two, you know, like two. Um, walking into rooms where everyone's just butt naked on top of each other and shit's just going down. Like there's hard, not, you know, making love, but hard. And I'm just like, holy crap. Um, a lot of different stuff like that. But that's one of the craziest stories is that the, it was like weekly for a while. It was a recurring memory, you know, like a string of different events, but all the same where the sun would go down. We'd light these oil barrels in the backyard. We had this really long property and it was, you know, kind of in the wilderness. We had like river just wilderness behind our properties. There's nothing back there. Um, and a little Cessna plane would come flying over and kick out bales. And sometimes it would take a couple loops and kick out several things. And it was loud. You'd hear it coming. You know, we had big sycamore trees. He had to clear the bale with. And so it always would kind of get close to the barn. We had this big barn. And if it hit the barn, you know, there was a couple of times where it put like a dent in the roof of the barn and bounced off the barn. Really loud coming through the air, really loud hitting the ground, boom, boom, boom. You know, and that's how I remember it. And um, being close enough a couple of times, feel the ground shaking from it. Um, but there were a lot of, uh, a lot of other really crazy things that happened. Um, our house got raided a couple of times and, Every time it got raided, dad would get a phone call first and we'd clear all these adults would come over and they'd clear everything out of the house. They'd clear me out, take me across the street to the neighbor's house. And I'd be watching from the window and they had like, you know, back in the day, everyone had these like veneer secondary uh, shades on their windows, kind of like a see-through thing. And, you know, I'd say, they'd always tell me, don't move the curtains. Don't let, you know, anyone know that you're looking here, but they, they can't see you if you're just looking here. And I'd watch all the police go in and see him in my room and tearing apart shit and then they'd leave with nothing and we'd go back over um there were never any stories of like you know there were no robberies or shootings i wasn't present for anything like that but we went to mexico and met some very nice gentlemen that were friends with my dad um they were not from america and we did that a lot you know and, and we were hanging out with uh you know a, a very well-known uh biker club and the top people, some of the most famous people that are attached to that biker club on the West Coast were at our parties and stuff. I so hear I if you're on good terms with them, they're some of the nicest people in the world. You just oh, don't want to be on the right terms with them. <laughs> absolutely are. They're, I mean, the guys that were the scariest were some of the ones that were the coolest with the kids. Like they were like just basically a kid themselves and they would play with, you know, it just, yeah, it was, it was a really great experience for a kid. It sounds horrific to people nowadays, but Back then, it wasn't. It was so. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been a better way to grow up. I think. My dad was a motorcycle safety instructor my whole life. He taught everyone how to like get around where I'm from. I'm on the East Coast in Mass. He taught everyone from police to biker clubs to get their license to to actually like license a motorcycle. And then he yeah. used to he used to do all the toys for tots and stuff as a kid. I remember, oh, and my buddy, one of my best friends growing up's dad was crazy. Coke. Uh, I think he did a lot of coke. We'll put it that way. But anyways, one night they were having a huge party, man. And some dude drove a Honda to the fucking meet or the, the, the like party. And he grabbed his Harley and, and, and put a chain on the Honda wheel and just drag it across the yard. So like, who's fuck driving a Honda? Yeah. He was all going crazy. It was funny. He didn't hurt. Well, it hurt a little bit, but he had a bike shop, so he just fixed it for him. <laughs> the guy was like, well, what, 
And it was one of the type of guys you aren't going to say anything to, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I had a, uh, my dad was real well known in our neighborhood and, um, this lady's dog got out. I had a rabbit when I was a little kid. I was like three or four when this happened. Her German shepherd got out and killed my rabbit. And, uh, we didn't know what happened. I didn't know what happened. Me and my mom, when we found it, my dad gets involved later in the day. And like, that's all behind curtains for me. You know, as a kid, I didn't know anything. All of a sudden the doorbell rings and dad goes, you have to answer the door to me. And I'm like, why? I was, I'm too little to answer the door. You always say that. He goes, this time it's for you. I open the door and this grown woman was bawling, like sobbing, bawling, drops down to her knees and starts kissing my feet, apologizing. And I didn't even know what was going on. And then it was like all kind of, you know, conveyed to me over the next few minutes that like her dog killed your rabbit. She's apologizing. And I just, I remember that, like looking at my dad being like, who the fuck are you actually? Like, how the fuck can, this is just some random neighbor that lives way down the street over there. I, we don't even know her. We've never spoken to her. And she's, I'm like fucking three or four and she's sobbing, kissing my feet. Like I'm some kind of prince. It was just, it was weird. So, yeah. That is surreal. Uh, like a year ago, basically, I got to meet and sort of get to know, I guess, uh, so-called Humboldt royalty. I've heard that phrase a, a million and one times. Yeah, just kind yeah. of rolled my eyes. I'm like, what the fuck is this? But it's a really interesting kind of phenomenon, I guess you could call it. It's these third and four, fourth generation now, some of them, because, uh, you know, some of them are you know, 20, 21, well, 21, 22 years old now. Um, basically, third and fourth generation people who've lived on those hills in Humboldt already since the 1970s. It's crazy. You could have that many generations already growing weed mostly illegally or semi-legally for a while and then kind of legally for a while and then now illegally again. But anyway, in many cases, making literal fucking millions a year. So that's kind of the interesting phenomenon. It, it breeds this entire culture where these folks had these crazy hobbies. Uh, every one of them has like, it's not even kettlebells. It's like they're champion of wealth. Speaking of Kevin, he's traveling the world for kettlebells, this and that and the other thing. Other people are like, judo champions they picked the weirdest hobbies and they basically had the money to fly around the world and do these hobbies it created this really surreal culture where you hear stuff like that like oh this certain so-and-so is a ethiopian whatever instrument expert you're like where in the right. world did that come from uh, they heard a record one time and they had the money to go fly to ethiopia six months of the year anyway yeah. babbling around and around in yeah, circles. Yeah, it's no, a really I, interesting I, phenomenon I, 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 you know what I'm talking about. I play about. guitar and I play guitar and I'm into music and stuff and, and no shit. Some of the best fucking guitarists that I've ever met in my life were guys that were all they'd ever done was sell weed. They were just dealers or growers. And all all they, that's, all, that's literally but because the problem they had, they had so much money. They could, yes, that's it. They just practiced they all day. Hard. You know, when you go uh, outdoor, you work, uh, you work hard, right? And, but then you harvest and you sell it all off in October, November, whatever it is, you know. And, uh, and then you've got like four, five, six months of fucking nothing. And then most of that summer, even though you've done stuff, it's like once you've done so much, you're done. You know, once you go out and water, you're done every day. And so you have endless amounts of time to take up hobbies and do things. And and some of the guys, you know, 
just casually they pick up guitar and they're just finger tapping up and down the keyboard like you know shit you haven't even ever seen eddie van halen or anyone else doing you're just like what the fuck how did you even find the time to learn that you know yeah let me tell you about that's, my 100 that's the benefit. <laughs> right yeah that's that's the benefit of it what do you um so what do you think about people? I'm basically a newcomer to cannabis by, by every kind of uh, definition. You have grown up basically in cannabis. What do you think of the different groups of people? Like there's a lot of times, I guess where I'm getting to with that, is that a lot of times there's a very big kind of push and pull between the uh, different groups. The old timers really resent the newcomers yeah. and so on and so forth. How do you feel about it? Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of clickiness. There's a lot of uh, people kind of preying on each other and using each other um a lot of negativity but there's that everywhere um i think we kind of being all you know uh peace loving hippie stoner kind of group we get that you know pegged on us and we start to believe it ourselves almost and so we've some of us are maybe shocked when we find out that there's any kind of negativity in this industry or in this group of community of smokers but there is it's always been there too you know back in the day it was people digging holes and burying each other and shooting each other. Now it's just shit talking over the internet and maybe a, a punch or two at a convention, but that's it. Um, so it's at least progressed where people aren't dying over it. Um, for the most part, people are still dying over it though. Um, I don't have a problem with any of the groups. I, you know, it's, it's, it's like everything else in life. We got to have spice of life is better. We got to have variety. Um, that's that's why it's everywhere you look with people. It's not just the way our skin color; it's everything about us. We're all different. We're all we're all the same in, in foundational levels, but we're all different, and that's what makes life great. So the circles of people that are all about the terps, brah, and, and you know, young kids, and I, I, I find it entertaining as shit. It's hilarious to me. It's not it's not me. I make fun of the word terps. I I, I use it now on accident. I can't fucking help it. I find um, myself accidentally talking about the terps and food and stuff. And then my friends well, look at me yeah. like, what are you talking about? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, it's, we were all there too. I mean, I, when I was fucking in high school, I didn't know what I was doing. And I talked like that about all this stuff. So we, we got to have that. We got to have everyone's difference, differences out there. Um, and, you know, the old school versus the new school stuff, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that go on in that within the business that kind of complicates that to some degree. If it's just a generalization of, you know, I'm old school and I don't like you new school fuckers. Um, yeah, that's just ignorance. That's just people getting old and grumpy. That's like an old man going, get off my lawn all the time. You know, I get that too. Uh, I'm old. I'm, I'm in pain every day. Uh, I feel old. I'm, I'm not necessarily quite there yet, but I feel old and I'm falling apart fast. Um, so I, I get that, but, um, Hang on a second. Let me let my cat out here. He's freaking out. Sure. I'll, be, I'll be right back. Smash can right. answer the question. Uh, people right. are asking about the Pacololo. Yeah, this is the Pacololo drive. All right. So, uh, what was that? Anyone remember? We were talking about turps that? and uh, laughing about right, turps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, the different Some groups. Turps. Yeah, so uh, it, but there's there's some stuff that goes on uh, in the industry with that. You know, there's there's some kind of some deep underlying things. You brought up the the humble uh, committee, the council. You know, um, there was a big company. I won't say their name, but they they started with this ethos about seven or eight years ago. We we're going to work with 
all the local farmers here. We're going to like really build this up. We're going to find a way to include them in our whole, you know, farmer to, to dispensary business that we have going on here of the legal market. And, and that's how everything started. And then they started, you know, not paying these, these local generational farmers what they promised they were going to pay them and sometimes way undercutting what they said they were going to give them. Eventually getting to the point where they corporatized things to the point where they just cut them out and left them hanging. Um, but the whole thing was like the way that they even got into the door of that community was we're going to embrace you and build you up and help you guys succeed. And no one else was doing that. So they all bought into it and it was just fucking bullshit apparently. So there's, there's stuff like that that happens to these groups that are more old school, more generational, and it feeds into some of that and gives it some real credence. But um, I'm not part of those things. I just know some things I've heard about. So I know that that can play into it. And outside of things where maybe people have more legitimate reasons to be hateful of what they foresee as a takeover of what they've been doing not just now, but their family's been doing it going back since this all started. I mean, nothing would be here if it wasn't for their family in part. And they see them losing their livelihood because of these outsiders coming in with investors and millions of dollars and thousands of square foot. And, uh, that, they, you they, know, they feel threatened. There's, there's a whole melancholy. It's probably even worse now a year later, but I was down there about a year ago. There was a whole melancholy, basically, which I kind of understand, like that whole way of life. That was honestly a sweet fucking deal, like especially the last maybe 10, 15 years where there was no serious consequences in many cases, unless you really overstepped. Uh, most, of the, most of those people basically were perfectly able to sell weed all day, every day and grow weed all day, every day and have really pleasant lives. It's no wonder that they would be upset about that kind of vanishing for one reason or another, either getting crowded out of the legal market or the weed prices dropping like a stone because of Oklahoma and everything else. On and on and on. It's no surprise, but I don't know where am I going with that. Yeah. I guess that's the end of that sentence. I don't know. Where do you see the future? I guess that is maybe where I'm going. Where do you see the future of uh, cannabis? Maybe even both uh, medium term and long term. Um, I don't know that it'll change too much than what we have now, really. But uh, what I see is the future. What I see kind of happening right now. It's only a few people are starting to do it, but it's spreading. Um, guys that have been just doing large-scale commercial cultivation for years and years now and probably had some generational grow experience behind them already from before legalization um, are getting into breeding for their own programs initially, but now they're realizing, well, this is stuff that spreads out to the market. And um, to me, that as far as what, what I do, what we do, you know, making seeds for people and all that. I don't think that they're ever really going to push us smaller guys out to the point where we don't exist. There's always going to be people out there that want to grow seeds from smaller people, more niche group kind of things that they're doing. Um, we'll always have people that, that we can find that want to grow our stuff, but the mass, mass, vast majority of people have been buying seeds from, lately over the past five or six years from breeders that are um have some pretty good marketing and are, are paying some decent money for advertising and things um and they're more kind of individuals that have, that are doing this um they've got some help sure a lot of them but you know it's a specific person you know and i kind of see what's happening what's coming is these groups that 
own multi-state cultivation facilities that are getting into breeding. And it, it may be one person controlling the genetics that are happening, being bred with it and stuff and controlling the selection process. But it's really a team of people that are doing it in an entire company that's probably backed by investors with big bank accounts. And as far as like the popular breeders that make quite a bit of money, the guys that are out there making a million dollars a year on seed sales um, that are at the top tier of, you know, what's, what's popular to, to go out and buy seeds from those guys are um, probably kind of doomed because the people that are coming in have just, it, it's, it's kind of hard to compete with that. If you want to be Pepsi or Coca-Cola and you're not really Pepsi or Coca-Cola, you're just one guy with some people helping you when, and a genuine Coca-Cola company comes in and takes over. There's not much you can do. They're just going to steamroll right over you. So that's, I kind of think, the future as far as uh, what I call the pop culture seed industry. I, I see that turning towards that market. And I, I think it's good because those guys have so much there that they can do it maybe better, maybe a little more right for the consumer. Because some of the people that have been doing it for the past five or 10 years have you know, not all of them, a few of them are maybe done in a little bit of a lazy way where they're just crossing things and not testing it, just showing people here's the cross. There's, you know, nothing was really done other than I made these seeds and here you go. Um, I, I see these large cultivation facilities, these people, the way that they're doing it is they're breeding for their own facility, finding some true gems and making seeds and then testing them with their facility, having a bunch of people grow them for a while and produce them and sell them and just spend, you know, and get all this feedback. Then they go, Hey, who wants some seeds? And that's, that's the way things used to be done. And that's the way they should be done. There should be a lot of work put into from when you made the seed to when you began testing it, that point between when you began testing it to when you give it to consumers, there should be a whole hell of a lot of work done in there so that you're giving them everything you can give them. You're not just handing them seeds that you know nothing about, in my opinion. People can do whatever they whatever way they want, but if that's the future, I think there could be some benefits from it. If the if the most popular seed breeders out there become these big multi-state commercial places that have guys working within them or that own them that have a lot of experience and are passionate and know how to make good weed, they're not just making flashy weed. Um, the people who are going out there and buying expensive feminized seed packs that only have three or four seeds in them, they'll start getting stuff that's better genetics, probably. So, we'll see, though. Trying to conceptualize this question. Um, it's too complicated. <laughs> Maybe I'll think of a simpler way to ask it. In the meantime, a simpler uh, question is uh, desert island weed. If you basically were lost on a desert island, if you had, let's say, either one uh, packet of seeds or even one cultivar, I guess you could pick either one, uh, what would it be? Um, my clone cutter ramen. Hmm. It'd, be really, it'd be really easy to grow on the island. And the weed tends to give me a little bit of a boost of energy, which I'm sure I fucking need to do all the work live on an island on a deserted island probably gotta go fishing and get water every day and all that crap hmm. mm, so I, I wouldn't i wouldn't want a strong indicators and i'd just be 
I'd just die on the beach, happy, <laughs> real quick. Take like two weeks. I was thinking about basically, and I'm still not verbalizing it really well. I was thinking about what you were talking about with um, seed breeders on that kind of macro medium level or whatever. Um, I guess without naming names, the guys that have the Lamborghinis and stuff, would they become yeah. almost like the, the brand director of uh, a big uh, seed company? Is that kind of how you're describing it? Like, uh, is that how they would slot in basically? Cause I see what you mean. Like, yeah. How is it that just basically the Pepsi of weed isn't going to come in and basically undercut them? And I also have heard in many cases, once those guys get to those scales, they physically can't produce seeds at that scale anymore. They don't have yeah. enough plants. They don't have enough growth space. So they end up basically contracting out essentially by necessity. And at that I point mean, already, they're quality. just basically, yeah, it's just a, it's, as soon as you contract out, you start to lose quality. Yeah. The only yeah, exception I've, is I've heard apple. stories about uh, this is direct. It's not hearsay. This is direct. Um, not going to name the breeder. He contracted out, contracted out growing, contracted out making seeds, contracted out packaging. The packaging company people um, swapped out his seeds with uh, other seeds oh. that weren't his. Awesome. They were totally, totally something else. And uh, and then presumably sold his seeds somewhere else under the table or something. Right because they were worth quite a bit of money and most more than likely repackaged the seeds because they were going for an exorbitant amount at the time. Um, and, and he lost a lot. It didn't go public, but he had a lot of customers affected that contacted him and had to go through a hell of a lot of stuff behind the scenes, taking care of these people and his seeds and everything else. Cause once, you know, once you're like, Hey, I know what you did. They have everything in their warehouse of yours still that hasn't been packaged that, you know, like, the nightmare of that. Like, I want to be like, hey, what the fuck? But wait a minute, they have all my shit. So how do I play this? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what he did with that. But um, yeah, it becomes a nightmare once you get to that point. You're trying to scale up to meet that demand where you are making, you know, over a million dollars a year, a million dollars a year in seed sales. Um, it's crazy. You know, there's seed banks out there. They, they stock up for me and they're like, hey, we'll get five packs. And I'm like, fantastic i'm stoked that they got five packs and then i see a picture and you know from that c-bank owner maybe doesn't maybe it's not public or something and it's like you know here's a here's a restock from this popular breeder that you guys all know and love and it's like 500 pack boxes and they're just it's like a fucking wall of them and he's like yeah this is a restock and i'm like oh my god i know how the c-bank market works you know they make 50 percent of the seed sales for most almost any breeder out there and so if, if this seed bank guy is selling that much shit, well, he's making more than this breeder guy is because he does that with you know, a handful of different breeders and then a bunch of other smaller ones. It's just crazy to see that there's that much of a, I don't know, appetite for seeds. But a lot of the people that end up buying their seeds is like what I was mentioning earlier is they end up being more collector people. Yeah. They're, they're, they're tossing them into a drawer somewhere and they're, you know, they're not growing them. I, I, I can't tell you how many places I've seen people talking about that, that they just collect them. They haven't grown anything yet. No, it's a perpetual it thing. I had this problem. <clears throat> excuse me. I had this problem basically launching my company, sending out tester seeds 
And everybody just swearing up and down. Oh, yeah, they're going to grow them. They're going to grow them. They're going to grow them. And literally 90% of the people vanishing like a fart in the fucking wind. Right? Yeah, poof. And then of the remaining 10%, some of them basically providing testing data, right? Yeah. How you get, you get the one or two that? guys that give you all these pictures and paragraphs of info, and you're yeah, like, oh, my God, yeah, thank wonderful. you, because nobody Somewhere else did anything. I got a few pictures from this guy, and that's it. You know, like, I've, I've been through that for years and years and years. I Initially, I was using just locals, people that I knew, and then I kind of started outsourcing into the internet world, you know, and forums and stuff, you know, and there's some forums out there where you can find some really great people that are, they come back, every single one of them. But on Instagram, everyone out there is just, they're using it like a piggy bank. They want a free tent. They want a free light. They want a free pack of seeds. They want, you know, feels like you want a a game show just by getting something for free. It doesn't matter if it's a $10 lamp. Which is a really unsettling kind of part of cannabis, which really annoys me a little bit. I have to be honest. And I just, I don't know. I want to politely say it. Everybody likes free shit. I like free shit as much as the next guy. Right? I mean, what am I, stupid? I don't like, I don't like free shit. Come on. But I wouldn't like abject myself for free shit and sometimes it feels like that's what people do like we basically did this auto flower grow off and it was lovely yeah. we got free seeds one of the guys that's probably listening in right now he got his friend james loud to just basically throw us free seeds for no yeah. particular Somebody reason does. and then we did this really it was like a desk auto flower grow off basically but it d- doesn't fail there were people who basically kind of i hate to say i hate to say this but it's true they basically scammed me for some seeds and it was like Dude, you probably could have just asked and we would have sent you some. You know yeah. what I mean? Instead of like just doing yeah. a whole scam or whatever, like just ask nicely. Yeah. I'll bet you I'll fucking send you some seeds. Maybe it won't be those. Maybe it'll be something else. I'll send you some fucking seeds. But no, they have to kind of do it in this under. And that's what really annoys me is the undercutted nature of it. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the, we, uh, we, go ahead. I've got a, I couldn't do this without some kind of help. So I've got, I've got some help on the, on the office end of it with a sales manager that, she helps me with, you know, taking care of the emails and sales and stuff and getting all the labels and stuff for people shipping orders. I, I would have a hard time deal, dealing with all that and doing it properly like she does. Um, but she also, you know, gets she gets to respond to people that just send, you know, basic stuff to us. And, and she'll relay anything that needs to come to me to me. But she tells me and shows me constantly stuff. She's like, I just handled this, you know. Um, and it's someone trying to scam us. Um, someone trying to, you know, fraudulently get some free pack of seeds because their shit was bunk that they got from us. And the story just doesn't match up at all. It doesn't make any sense that they ever bought seeds. Um, and then when she even responds with, you know, just show me something and they just, they go dark and they won't respond after that. Well, I don't have proof. So I guess I'm going to disappear. Um, but we get, it's like constantly. And then on top of that, there's all these people that are always like, um, will you sponsor me and send me free seeds? Right. Will you give us free seeds for our contest we're going to do? And they make it sound like, you know, 2 million people are going to view and enter this contest. And everyone always blows it up to this huge thing. It's going to be so great for your company if you just can give us like $1,000 worth of free seeds or whatever it is. And I think there's this perception from all these people on the outside that it's like, well, this guy is clearly making a bunch of money on these (laughs) seeds and everything's going great. And I live in a 700 square foot house that I struggle to pay the mortgage on every month. Um, and my fucking bills for my grow rooms are out do, of control. Do you have a Lamborghini in your living room like that one YouTube guy? No, I have a, right now it's broke down. In fact, I got to get it towed and take to the mechanic. I have a, I have an old Jeep Wrangler 4x4. See. Um, no, no sports. Yeah, car almost the same. You know, I'm, I'm here blinging out in my $5, uh, 
target uh, flannel, you know, so. A lot of people um, don't stop to think between the lines. We were talking about like stupid questions, right? And my definition is people who basically, or the, the questions are uh, things that you already should know the answer to. So a lot of people basically don't stop and think about like, okay, how much do we think this seed person is making? Are they really a multimillionaire? Like, is this YouTube channel making millions of dollars? That's like a common thing. Like, oh, it's on YouTube. They must be making tons of money. Only right. the people that have like a million subs make any fucking money. Everybody else basically makes basically nothing. And it's a labor of love, yeah. if, if, it, if anything. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm babbling. Uh, Charlie's yeah. welcome, buddy. Thanks, guys. I got it. My wife's not feeling well. Romulan, it's, it's oh, a pleasure to meet you, man. Not a uh, pleasure, brother. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that is that Romulan that I that I've seen over the years? Is that is, is that what came from you? I, I've seen a couple people have a uh, grow. Is that is that uh, no? So the cut that that, uh, that I have and I've, I've given out for a while, I didn't go anywhere near public with it until this would have been after two two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot, quite a people. A lot of people getting it just south of Humboldt in the remote triangle area where I'm at. Um, and it spread out from there, but it was, wasn't until probably around 2016 that it would have been maybe my cut. My cut has yeah. been family, family held since the nineties. It's not something that really has been out there. Um, I do know that it got out because I had uh sub cool before he passed away, him and I were in contact and I was trying to help him get the cut back. Um, because he was, uh, he had had something happen and anyway he had actually grown my cut through dark heart nursery and realized that this was what he had been working with for years that was the same thing that he had as his romulan um so i i do know it got out a little bit in the early days but it was family held forever and so what most other people had was the stuff that kind of stemmed from after joe that got ended up getting crossed and becoming a little bit more indica dominant a little bit more fat leaf a little bit more heavier hitting and couch locky um, the stuff that I have is closer to the Vic High version line that was a little bit less of that is the best way to explain it. Yeah, yeah. No, there was only one guy that I ever saw that really had it, that did a great job with it. And he was an older guy uh, from that area. His, um, I know that his, uh, his grandfather or something uh, was a extremely successful designer of lab equipment. I know that. And, uh, yeah, I know he goes by uh, old, old fart, old fart grows or something. Is this his handle on on YouTube? But uh, but he did a couple of runs with it, and it looked absolutely fantastic. And he he, when you were saying how if you were stuck on an island, you know, that's the cut you want because it's easy to grow. He made quite a few big mistakes, and it still produced quite a bit fine. And uh, I was really impressed. And, and uh, yeah. He couldn't give it out. He said that too. He's like, you know, I was lucky to get this. I, I didn't think I was going to get it. It was his very first, first to second uh, attempt. And he had a pretty elaborate grow. He actually he had a small area, not not elaborate when it comes to size, but it was uh, just two uh, two separate 1,000 watt rooms. And he had a, I forget exactly why he had to put cement at the bottom of a couple of the buckets because he was basically doing an ebb and flow. And, mm. uh, but anyway, yeah, and it was uh, maybe took half of it. He processed half of it, kept half of the flour. It just looked absolutely fantastic. I mean, he had freaking Louisville sluggers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So 
I was always curious where that came from. Yeah, it's uh, it, that's, that's one of the one of the remarkable things about this plant. Why I'll I'll never let it go. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got it's like part of my my fire evacuation plan is making sure I got a cut going with me. Mm-hmm. Even Absolutely. though I know it's all, I, I got all these friends that have it, I can get it from, I just, I don't want to let it out of my side. It's funny. Yeah, I don't it's years, years since I've taken a vacation just because of the standpoint. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, I, I know that feeling. It's been 10 for me anyway. So going on 10. But yeah, no, you, you glued, you glued. I mean, it's, it's, it's your life, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a, right. it's not just a, it's just not a hobby. And I, I tell my, uh, realize the work that goes into it. My family doesn't understand this stuff really. You know, I just tell them it's like, a, I call it, it's a, my ball and chain. You know, it's, right. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. But it's the yeah. best way that you can understand it is it's a ball and chain. I can't really, I, I can't really leave, you know, I right. can, but right. you can't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely understand that. Especially when you're doing it full time. Mm-hmm. And it's only you. It's, you know, yeah, you might have a little help here and there. Yeah. It can, it can be quite daunting. And, you know, you get days where you, you're feeling burnt out, but you just can't stop. And hopefully you shake it off. To me, anyway, shake it off. It's, it's, it's uh, the other side of the coin, brother, is that it's, uh, it's part of kind of what's keeping us alive, too, you know? Right. I know right. if I didn't have something get me out of bed some days, I, I wouldn't, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, the fact that I have to get up and water my plants, that I have to get up and take care of things, it, it gets me moving enough to where, I don't know, maybe it's adding a few years to my life instead of taking them away. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, this this plant is itself over the years. It saved my life more than once. Sustained me through some of the hardest times of my life. So it's, it's, it's a relationship. It's like a marriage, man. Or even it's like a sibling. It's like a, it's like a, it's not even, it's just a, it's in your blood. You're either gonna, you know, when you don't stop, constantly have have something growing. And not, not just weed. I mean, you know, people have a obsessions with all kinds of plants, as we all know. So, but mine just yeah. happens to be cannabis. Just fell in love with it from day one. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yep. So. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, hey, Flora, what's up, buddy? And uh, D, everybody out in chat, just wanted to say hi. My wife got that. My like, wife, dude. I hope she feels better, man. Yeah, she's got that plant. Yeah. she's got two two things going now. Is um, and a lot of it's from inactivity. Now that she's she's working hey, in the office again, she got plant of plant aphasia. You know that it, it's on your yeah. Achilles. Yeah, and I just oh, was no. massaging. Yeah, she has on both feet now. She's been getting the steroid oh. shots, cortisone, but it's wearing off. So here's, she's in pain. Yeah, here's, a good, here's a good tip on oh, Monk Camp. Uh, anyway, here's a good tip for uh, use frozen vegetables. Like All put right. vegetables and stand on them if, they, if her feet get sore. Yeah. Rub, yeah, that's it's crazy. That's pain. yeah. It'll get painful. So I know what you're talking that's, about. Yeah, that's funny. She did that. She did that in the beginning, about a year ago. She was doing that. And then she got a special ball with the, it's like a, a hard hard rubber ball. And it's got spikes, you know, all over it. And yeah. she rolls her foot on it. And that helps because when she sits there and trends, she just sits her foot on it. Just rolls it around. I've been giving her foot massages almost every night for a year. And then I got a hand handheld one. 
massage that I was just uh, trying out, see how well that worked. She was loving it, actually. It was a gift. Right on. Yeah, so. Uh, Save your right. hands, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So, but anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for hanging out with me. It's cool to yeah. go on now that I got here. So I was trying to put my daughter to bed. Yeah, man, just I, I've always heard good things, man. I, and I'm not huge into the breeding thing or the, the seed companies. I mean, I was I was friends with some and a few others, but I was mm-hmm. never, uh, names didn't really mean too much to me. But Romulan has always, it's always yeah. been one of those, like, like, yeah, where the hell did that ever come from? It just always kicked my curiosity. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, like, like I always say, when I was growing up, it was the region of the world they came from. That's what they would mean after Thai, yeah. Oko, Panama, all those. Yeah. Let me ask you a question uh, that I've been trying to. This is the one that I was trying to verbalize. <clears throat> Maybe I can get it finally. It kind of had well, to do with uh, what you were talking about with. The big time seed breeders, what we think of big time seed breeders, but in the future, they're probably small time, right? Like real big time is probably Oregon CBD and whatever else they're going to become, right? But, you know, Exotic Mike is probably realistically not even big time uh, uh, for the future, right? So maybe yeah. someone like him, you know, no offense to Exotic Mike or anybody else, uh, maybe he'll become like a brand leader or something right and he'll lead the brand but i was thinking to myself there's been this perpetual tug of war uh even brand rivalry maybe between marvel and dc for years and years and years since comic book days (laughs) and now Mm -hmm. in the movies and very famously the marvel series has made fuck i think the technical word is fucking gigantic gajillions of dollars I think that's actually mm-hmm. how the accountants actually put it in the in the uh, log books. And DC has made much less than that, right? They've still made fuck piles of money, but they've made way, 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 way less. Mm-hmm. And Marvel, <clears throat> it's this incredible success, partly because they've had a, a, like one or two people basically uh, run the whole thing and basically, well, supposedly this is the story, uh, that they've had a couple people kind of shepherd the entire process and uh, uh, lay out a uh, game plan basically for one story to interrelate, interrelate with another one, to have cameos, to have basically this entire spider web basically of uh, interactions that culminate in some of those gigantic movies. The Fuck, I don't even really watch those movies, honestly, but Avengers Endgame and whatever, that $2 billion these fucking movies made. Whereas the DC ones, they're like now on their like third reset, basically. They just announced that they're basically resetting again. They're firing Wonder Woman. They're firing uh, maybe not Batman again, but they're firing Superman and they're starting over again. And apparently one of the reasons for that is because, well, first of all, they've switched bosses again, but they've been switching bosses from one after another. And also each movie has been basically made on its own, kind of like an island unto itself. So Superman was this universe and Batman was that universe and that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So this is a long setup, I realize. No, but I I'm, guess I'm what trying. I'm trying to say is, is it possible that these big seed companies will have a Marvel-like success where over years, and again, roll with me on this because I guess the, the analogy now has to 
switch gears a little bit, restaurant menus. A lot of times restaurants will be famous not because of an individual dish, but because the whole menu basically works together so well. Sure, there's mm-hmm. going to be a couple signature dishes, but I mean, everybody goes with their friends and not everybody orders the same fucking thing. Everybody has, everything has to be good on the menu, but everything kind of has to be a cohesive menu, basically more than anything else. You can't have Chinese stir fry with steak, with fucking French food and everything else. And it can't be good that way. It has to be kind of cohesive somehow. Mm-hmm. But for that, you have to have like a mind behind it. In restaurants, they have like study groups and everything else where they basically... Uh, uh, not only that, but they'll focus test menus with, you know, uh, 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 blind tasting groups and on and on and on. Is anyone in the weed game now, maybe in the future, there will be people like this. Is anyone prepared or capable of doing that kind of stuff where they'll shepherd an entire brand? You know, we've heard of these crazy weed deals. Again, I realize this is a crazy question. That's why I've been trying to think about it for a fucking half hour. Hopefully we can get into this. Do you see where yeah. I'm getting to with this already? Yeah, yeah. So do you, let me let me try to uh, articulate and summarize it all at once. Maybe maybe dumb it down even um, for people listening. Is there someone who's a, a, a well known famous breeder right now who is going to be able to transition? Into... I was even asking a different question. I was actually asking, okay. and and hopefully this is easier because uh, you know we don't have to name names. Uh, uh, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? We can we can say nice things yeah. about yeah. people. But I guess what I was trying to say is, is there, is the weeds scene mature enough already for that to happen? For somebody to basically, sh- I know that there's people who there's like this whole ganjie program or whatever. Supposedly they train people mm-hmm. to go and pick things for yeah. a menu or whatever. But uh, I don't know. That remains to be seen if that actually happens. Uh, uh, or maybe a better way to answer this. Is this a realistic future for cannabis that there will be basically brands that shepherd themselves into existence with a coherent menu, with an on-site breeder, basically with a, with a staff breeder, with staff growers, uh, 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 with kind of a cohesive, everybody having a cohesive vision for a future of their cannabis brand. It seems very unlike everything that I've heard about cannabis right now. Like all of that sounds like total bullshit. Like they pay the mm-hmm. bud tenders nothing. They pay the growers as close to nothing as they possibly can. They prefer untrained growers so that they can basically train them in the new SOPs, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like there's no such thing as like a great coherent brand kind of like Marvel. Yeah, so are one of them going to be able to succeed to uh, rise to that top levels is really what you're boiling it down to, is that what you're saying? Maybe it's too fucked up of a question. I don't know. Maybe it's still a No, 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 no. I'm, I'm trying to take it to the next step. Go for it. Is what, I, is what I'm saying with Please. that. So, yes, I, I do think uh, that there are people out there that could do that. What I was asking was, do you think, if I believe, yes, there are people, my answer is yes to your okay. question. If I believe that, do I think they'll be able to push that model and that brand to the high level? Is that what you're... I guess I'm asking a few of those questions at the same time. Yeah. Is it going to happen? First of all, you've already answered. Are there people that can do it? Yes. Okay. I I believe you. There's there's people people doing it right now. Okay. Um, Part of the, I don't know, it's not a new wave. It's it's been going for a while. But there's some companies that are getting bigger um that are all kind of grassroots and and you know a smaller startup company and they're all doing everything in-house 
Um, and even though, yes, they have staff and all that, but it's, it's a small group, it's a family and they're very talented people. Um, and there, there's not an outside um, investor influence that's forcing them to cut corners or do things differently than they want to do them. So they have full control. The people who have full control completely have that ability. If, if just like everything else out there that we've seen, you know, people can succeed and, and become bigger, but there is a problem with everything else, every type of industry out there. When you grow, you have to scale up and it's very difficult to maintain the, the integrity of what you've built. Once you get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, it's very, very difficult. I, I run other businesses that have nothing to do with cannabis. And, and, and I don't know a whole lot about business and I go to school for it or anything, but that's one of the things that I learned right off the bat is no matter how small you are, as things grow, it gets, um, it's insurmountable. And it, it, there's no way to really contain the same integrity that you have when you're small and have a much more focused group of, of customers. So, you know, you make so many cheese rolls because you have so many customers that are going to buy those cheese rolls. And you can put so much love into each cheese roll because you know 10 of them are going to be bought. I only I don't need 11. I don't need 12. 10 of them will be bought. And, and you just keep doing that. But at some point, the word spreads and all of a sudden you need 20. Now it's harder to do. And now all of a sudden you need 40. And now all of a sudden you need 4,000. And you just can't possibly do that. So you make as many as you can and you break your back trying to, you know, and so then you outsource and, and you get people bring them in and you train them real quick because you everyone suffers from this issue. Um, the thing with the larger corporations are when they have investors that don't really care about the integrity, they just care about the bottom line. That's where that becomes more of a commercialized product. That's I think when everyone thinks of federalized cannabis, I think all of us kind of right off the bat might think, Oh, marble green, you know, we think of something funny like that, but that probably is what will happen at some point. Um, and these large corporations with investors are going to be the ones who do the lobbying or the backdoor lobbying that end up causing federal legalization for good or for worse, whatever that is. Um, we're already going to get there. It's, it's destined. There's no way we can stop that um, unless we get some really, um, you know, uh, backwards, non-forward thinking president come in and then full control of the government. And they, you know, back go back on everything on state legalization of cannabis. I don't really see how we can't end up very soon with federal legal. Never say never. I mean, I, without getting into yeah. politics, there's. I, I, I hope. Yeah. I hope not. I just. I, in business, it just seems inevitable. There's just so much money being poured into things, and so much being made. Eventually, someone's going to convince enough politicians to make it happen. Um, and when that does, you'll have plenty of smaller guys that will be able to thrive and be um, very successful. I don't know. You're going to have Marvel. And you're, you're going to have everyone else is basically DC, but you might have a couple different versions of Marvel out there. And, you know, like right now, there might be a plethora of people that are in that smaller subgroup that aren't as popular, but there'll be those at the top that will, that will excel because they just do everything better than everyone else. I mean, honestly, when you say that, actually, it's a better metaphor than even I thought. At first, I was talking about Marvel this Incredible, successful juggernaut behemoth, but actually, I forgot they started super small. I mean, you know, Marvel wasn't an underdog; they they were like a known name and stuff. But they basically yeah. were because I think they just shifted ownership maybe 15, 20 years ago mm-hmm. or whatever. And their first movie, I think, was Iron Man or one of the first movies, basically, and that was a runaway hit. And they basically had a 
cohesive yep. vision that actually led to this enormous, incredible success. How do I say it? They had some luck, I guess, basic, well, luck and skill in the beginning, but then that paid off basically with that really cohesive vision. So actually, like you say, even that small time uh, uh, group, I mean, it, as long as they continue having the cohesive, coherent voice, basically, as long as they don't kind of grow too big to have their complete control. And that's, that's the problem. How big can you grow, I guess, and still maintain control? I don't know, yeah. thinking out loud, I guess. I don't know. That's not even really a question yeah. necessarily. Go ahead. Yeah. And that's, you know, like I've, I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with different breeder friends, guys that are in the industry too, that other people buy seats from. Um, and, and re, you know, in reference to that, that it just, even just as a breeder, not as anything else, just, you know, in general, the industry as a breeder, when you start trying to make more, you have more plants, right? And then the more plants you have, if you're doing things really right, you got to check you know, for a period of time, you got to check every note on those plants. Even if you're confident, none of them will throw intersex traits. While you're breeding, you have to ensure that that doesn't happen. So if you're doing it right, you have to be in there every day, looking underneath every plant, checking every branch, every node to make sure nothing's growing out of any of these clones that you're working with or any of whatever it is. Nothing foreign is going to infect your fucking seeds that you've made, that you've spent time making. And when you get to scale where you're making seeds at scale, it's that just kind of has to go out the window at some point. There, there's no, even, uh, even a sea of employees going and checking over them. You're going to have people that miss stuff. You're going to have mistakes that are made. Um, the routine. And that's a wonderful point because as, as you were saying earlier, it's cannabis. Ultimately, there's no way you're ever going to prevent a hundred percent of intersex traits. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's cannabis. It's fucking cannabis. Like, there's ways to nanner it no matter what. Maybe a stray light beam through a, who the fuck knows? Somehow it's going to happen. Thanks, Steve. I'll see you. I just saw him say he was getting off. Oh, right on. Yeah, very nice. Oh, cheers, you, cheers, D. Cheers, D. Good one, buddy. Oh, see you tomorrow, guys. Yeah, man. Cheers, buddy. It's a pleasure, D. Cheers, man. Good night. Yeah, I've, I've, I've probably got to get off here fairly soon. Well, it's been a delightful I've been, discussion. I've been out of, uh, Frank. I've been out of booze and, and something to drink. I'm, for hours now i'm dying oh it's terrible I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna keep i'm just gonna keep smoking it helps with the cotton off that's it uh right tomorrow we we oftentimes do game night and we used to do uh whiskey wednesday and we used to get fairly yeah. sauced on uh, uh whiskey yeah. and uh, cannabis but uh we don't always do whiskey wednesday <clears throat> i told one of my friends i was not just gonna get super high stone during this but i was also going to get really drunk but I, I failed to bring the bottle in with me to this room so Terrible. that didn't happen <laughs> all right so always next time yeah exactly yeah you're so right about when you scale up man quality control goes right out the window i mean that's why you have you know uh you know just to bring it into the um just in the realm of any corporation. I mean, Ben and Jerry's is always a perfect example. You know, they got so big, yeah. they were so small, got so big, they had to bring in somebody else. But quality control to an extent, I mean, uh, I give a perfect example. When I got a couple of pints just a couple of months ago, I got a pistachio, two pistachios in it. Yeah, <laughs> literally. And the ice cream was not the same. Remember when they first came yeah. out, how just like creamy and flavored, this was so much oh, yeah. better. It was this really yeah. high quality milk they used. And now it's yeah. just like every other kind of ice cream. Yeah, it's got, the, it's got the flavor still, and you know, it's got their same recipe, but it's not the same. Yeah, yeah, that better fat's still in there, but it's yeah, it's something has changed. It's because of the scaling. So, yeah, 
Well, that's that like inevitable problem, right? Like you, you guys probably, how do I say this? Uh, I don't remember exactly the story with Ben and Jerry's, but I, how do I say this? My guess is that they probably had a great recipe, but they also had great employees making the stuff really well. Probably the employees had been with them for a while and actually knew what they were doing. You know, they hired them. Oh, I want the, I can't do a New England accent right now, but anyway, I want the best milk starter in all of New Hampshire. (laughs) Anyway, so they found Velma, the 30-year veteran milk stirrer in in fucking, you know, whatever. There's only so many of Velma basically to go around. But not only that, for the milk supply, they basically got the best milk supplier in all of fucking Vermont or wherever they're from, right? But as soon as they start to get bigger, that milk supplier only makes as much milk as he fucking makes. And go fuck yourself. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, the reason why he'll tell you his milk is so good is because he rests seven weeks i'm making up that guy's story i don't know whatever his fucking yeah, secret know what you is mean, you know. but whatever yeah, it is he's, yeah. he doesn't make more milk than he makes and once you run right. out you're fucking out and then there's the second tier milk guy and the third tier milk and for a while they're probably just about as good i bet you you know like the first milk guy he'll tell you that his milk is the best in the entire land but the second and third and fourth tier milk guys this is like a whole story we should tell one of these days. We should interview the fourth best milk guy in Vermont. But anyway, those guys will tell you that their milk is almost as good. But the sixth milk guy, I bet you you start to notice a difference. And all of a sudden, it's not as creamy. It's not as fatty. doesn't make as good ice cream. Uh, probably, people are probably laughing at me in the chat right now. because I'm, I'm just doing everything like about this one of my followers just now tuned in and they're like... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the show. Dead. They know to watch the dog the, face. They, like, they know to watch the show for random, can't random possibly decisions. be the right thing. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound right at all. Yeah, someone that really knows milk is like just shaking their head, it's, laughing. It's like this one-hour sermon on dairy products. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we enjoy our weed. That's uh, great. Uh, very yeah. much. This is this, yeah. is this is down home to me. This is. Every every song conversation I've ever had nice. goes along all these different paths. Nice. So I hope they listening are at least mildly entertained. <coughs> yeah. Well, I like to think so. Otherwise, they wouldn't watch, right? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that'd be a pretty sad existence if you did. Right. But how do I say this? This has been like I was, I don't know, setting up this weird fucking story with the milk suppliers. And, the, and like Ben and Jerry's like runs out of good milk suppliers. So they have to use the second tier milk suppliers. But that's basically what happens. Like uh, there's compost companies around here. We don't necessarily have to uh, uh, name names, but there's been a couple of compost companies that started excellent. And then as they scaled up, apparently the story was they started, they ran out of basically their own suppliers. So they, as a supplier, started to run out of good suppliers. And they started started to have to use second tier suppliers for their compost. And they started to have to like rush their compost piles. Instead of doing two full years on their compost piles, they started, they had so many fucking orders that they had to do one year. And they were like, all right, for a little while, it's going to be good enough. And what they did was they apparently inoculated the one year with the two year and mixed it up really well and for a while it was good and i happened to know from having used the compost like it started off every time you'd open up the bag like it would be teeming with beneficial predators and everything else and the compost itself was super black and really well composted after a couple of years after they spread to the entire west coast you'd open up a bag and it was half 
brown, no beneficial predators, you know, maybe some freaking uh, uh, springtails and stuff, but that's about it. And that was, like I said, because they had to go to their fourth tier pizza supplier and the freaking fifth tier, whatever the shit, you know what I mean? And then basically rush the compost out as fast as they could possibly mix it, had to go and fill the orders. You know what I mean? So the quality just right. went down, 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 down. And as a business person, what are you going to do? Are you going to deny those orders? Sometimes people do. And they say, no, my, my quality is the highest priority and they won't compromise. But that's kind of rare in business, right? Most people will take the orders because they think, you know what, I can always make up the, the quality in the future or my quality is high enough or however they justify it to themselves. Most people will take that second option, right? And so it's that inevitable mm -hmm. decline. It's interesting. Yep. Yeah. It's where they use collectives now, you know, like the dairy association. It's one of the things, just in one example. I mean, look at what the tobacco industry does. You know, will this be the future of uh, of uh, certain lines of cannabis, like pre-rolls or, or, you know, it's huge brands. I mean, the tobacco industry takes five years worth of harvest, so it's consistent. And they just mix it all together after it's cured. And that's how they get the consistency in, in tobacco. In every cigarette, you know what I mean? Well, is that the you know the, the the way of cannabis in the future? Because you know, as we all know, R.J. Reynolds and uh, Morrison and all that, and they're going to get into it heavy. You know, they bought it; yeah. they're the ones that bought up every piece of friggin' agricultural land that was available what twenty years ago in friggin' California, because they know they mm -hmm. saw this coming. You know, they have a fifty or one hundred year projection. You know, that's what they're looking down the line at. They're not looking at friggin' one or two years. You know, they're really looking down the line with deep, deep pockets, and they'll just outweigh everybody they're just waiting for everybody else to fall to the wayside you know what i mean because they can drop their prices as low as they want so they just get everybody else out that they don't want in there you know just like most big homes you know but i always think of that too feds will get into it i think you know this has always been my prediction they're gonna wait for all 50 states to go legal get the infrastructure in place then they're gonna open up their banking if they don't do that a little sooner but then they're gonna want to get their hands in the pot they're gonna want their part of the taxes too you know but i have a feeling they're not gonna they're not gonna spend the money on it you know, whether they could federally and get away with it anyway, but they're going to wait till all the infrastructure is in place and then they're going to start dipping their hands into the freaking tax pot. Yeah. It feels delusional. I mean, there. the prices are falling like a stone already. How yeah. are they going to basically, yeah. either they're going to have to tax it at a 100% rate to get any fucking money out of it. I mean, yeah. seriously, like yeah. a pound used to be a few thousand dollars. Now, uh, today I heard that uh, basically around the country, it's like $800. That's a, yeah. that's a yeah. hell of a drop, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even around here, it's around, you know, you can get pounds anywhere. Well, you get a lot of the Vietnamese that are going around and they're just blowing it up and they walk in 80, 100 pounds, give me 600 a pop, you know. <laughs> I mean, the stuff isn't all that great. It doesn't last long. No legs, obviously, has no flavor. But people don't care about that. They just care. The masses only care about the price point. That's really, and if it gives them the effect that they want, then yeah, they bro. don't care. Hey, buddy. Yeah. There you go, they, and they really don't care what they're going to smoke. You know what I mean? It's going to be about convenience uh, and price. We right. see a lot of that in our area, bro. Sure. It's, uh, oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, no. It's, very, it's very well um, taken over. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's hit or miss. You, been, you, know, you get those 800 years, pounds. Though. Yeah. Has if you get those years. $800 pounds or $600 pounds, yeah, you're going to have the occasional, like, oh, yeah, that was fucking pissed. But get it on a consistent basis. Get that good fucking night. No. You're not going to do it. It's not going to no. happen. And that's where I've tried to at least distinguish myself in the Boston market is to make sure that I have consistency and that I'm constantly supplied and I never run out. I mean, that's always right. been one of my Didn't you say one that you always things. have uh, all floor, the strains? Chance floor. 
Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. This is the first time I'm going to really come short and keep your things going. I might have a week or two or maybe even a month where I won't have something that's going to be available. Uh, and I'll probably, you know, subsidize it with uh, a couple of people that I know. But, yeah, this is going to be the first time in, in 12 years now that I, I haven't had a, you know, a, a constant perpetual growing where something's always coming down. But, uh, I'm going to get back up there. Because you were saying it too, Ron. It's insane to have an indoor grow now, just to, just to run all their freaking bells and whistles. Forget about it's fucking so L expensive. L yeah, you know? LEDs mm -hmm. or or it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a yeah, difference. Yeah, it doesn't. You pull, if you if you pull fucking eighteen hundred kilowatts in that area, it's nine hundred bucks a month. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, easily. which is fucking, which is which is like now you got to have stuff coming down, like he said, you know. But now if you don't have anything going right now, like for instance, like myself. If I was to start that back up again, it would take months to fucking get back up to yep. the point with everything running. I'm going to fucking right. cost myself $1,200, $1,400 a month. month. Right. With, just with, with, with no fucking product. So now right. out of my pocket. So in order to start back up growing perpetual, it's going to be like, what, three grand? Yeah. Four grand? Yeah. Fuck so your harvest comes in, at least. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. It's, it, this is such bullshit. When it would normally cost me fucking less than $2,000 to get like a full perpetual going again, you know, staggering yeah. tents, everything, you right. know, 1400 right. bucks. Now it's fucking 4,000. That's yeah, quite it's, a bit of a steep yeah. jump. Yeah. yeah. My jaw dropped in November when I saw my bills from the last run. It was, uh, well, January, the last month they went up. This month is the last oh, month they went up now. 33 yeah, point something percent. Yeah. 30, yeah is that what it was? 30, it's 33 point fucking something cents. And, um, yeah. Yeah. If you look at my bill from what it was fucking previous months with the same amount of yep. kilowatts because they have all that shit, and right, it's right. literally it was literally yeah. fucking a hundred and nine percent increase. Yeah, yeah, it's just insane. It's my just my delivery charge is as much as one of my bills. Yeah, I know. I know. Just my nuts? fucking delivery fee. I was like, yeah, be kidding me, dude. Yeah, just to have it go across the wires in India. Yeah, it's just, just it's ridiculous. It's just um, it's. At the time right now, once I get a little bit of a nest egg and money, I'll start back up again. I'll fire some seeds back up. Christoph, Sasse, oh fuck, what is it? Peace in French is, qu'est-ce que c'est? Pas de guerre. Fuck, what do you say, peace? We always have this problem when whenever Christoph uh, Romulan, whenever Christoph hops on here, my French is fucking terrible. But on the, on on. the other hand, I, I, the only I got a French speaker in the speaks. other room. You want to go? Do you seriously? Like, fuck, yeah. Christoph will be so surprised. Have the French speaker say some random shit. What? What does he that's have? Awesome. What? His wife's the French. Somebody in the house? Yeah, maybe his wife's. The Someone, yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Yeah, man. I love it. I yeah. want to hear this. Okay. <laughs> About to go down, bitch. Too much longer than I told her I would be. I said I'd be done at eight thirty. Sweet dream, sweet dream. Yeah. Oh, she's already sleeping. Yeah. Every everything. All our pets are out there. Everyone's just passed out. Oh, this is. Well, the audience, I'm sure, is very happy. By the way, I don't know if you know this. We have a very well. Thanks, Kosk. Appreciate it. I have a very small audience, but it's a very loyal audience. Like, and it's also international, so that's kind of fun. So I don't have like a huge channel, but we have people listening from New Zealand and Australia and France, all over the fucking place. So. Yeah, that's that's yeah. So I've got, since I started selling seeds, uh, I, I, way back when I first started uh, with my own website, so of course, seed banks or anything, I 
and since then I've sold seeds worldwide. I've opened up sales. Um, so I've shipped stuff to pretty much every country out there. You know, there's skipping a few. You know, I haven't shipped anything to Iran or North Korea or Syria. But I've shipped to all (laughs) kinds. I mean, just about name it. And and it's there. I haven't crossed off every country on the continent of Africa. And I haven't crossed off everything in Asia. Because there's a lot of different little things there. But a lot of different places. Um, That's cool. And so it's, you know, I've got followers all over the place, guys. And deep in the outback in Australia. All over the place, so. Now, can I ask a question? Hopefully, some of them are on right now. No, Koski, uh, just for you, we're instituting the hundred dollars per question policy. You yeah, shut down. We shut, shut you down, kid. I'm asking anyways. All right, <laughs> All right. So, now, have you had success getting your product to those people that are in different countries? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've only had. I only have one country that I can't, <laughs> I can't ship to, and. Things just recently changed. Years ago, I, I couldn't have fixed anything about it, but now I can. Um, Argentina wants a phytosanitary certificate from me for me to ship uh, import seeds there. To do like legal, like actually like legally for that. Like, okay. Yeah, okay. but um, most places I just get it through. Um, I, I have a way. I, I really don't want to share it because yeah, no, uh, no, 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 no. I wasn't. As soon as, as soon as everyone else starts using it, it's gonna it's gonna make customs get overflowed with it. And they're gonna realize what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. There's a certain thing that you can claim on customs and you can probably think of a lot of different things once they say this to you that, well, if they open up the package of seeds, they'll think, assume that what you wrote is what it is. And it's not like they do certain things where they test stuff. So if they think that what you're explaining it is, this looks kind of like that. Okay, great. That's what this is. No problem. Um, and for the most part, as long as you're clean when you package everything up, but you don't have any cannabis smell that's going on your packaging outside, you're not going to have a dog flag the shipment. If it's just seeds, they usually just pass it through just fine. But you got to make sure yeah. everything's clean. Make sure you rub it, you know, r- rubber gloving it, and fucking doing all that good stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean? being, being yeah. sanitary. I got you. Hundred percent. Awesome. Don't put product in with your fucking seeds. Don't have a bunch of little flaky fucking. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. That's that's. So you're not supposed real, to uh, smear some freaking dabs on the top of it. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> God damn it! You're not, you're not spending like the color over there. Sprinkle some seal it, rocks. Seal, like wax. Seal it with yeah. a little shadow. <laughs> with a stamp. It's like an old letter from a fucking medieval that. time. That's just great. to go wax. It's like cannabis the, wax. The seeds, the seeds are still actually in the bud. You got to take them out, but that's what you pay for. <laughs> yeah, the buds go with it. Buds go with it, guys. Fuck you. Right. You might have you might have a hundred, so I don't have to That's crazy. Well, it's like rolled up in a can of gar and the seeds are in the butt. You have to smoke the whole thing to get them out. <laughs> it helps, it helps you're, you're talking, Florida. You're muted, bro. You're, ta- you're talking. Oh, shit. How long has he been talking? No, I oh, think he's, he's smoking. No, no. He's, all right. Sorry. I was like, oh, his head's here. I didn't know if he was fucking talking. Koski, uh, this first time you met Romulan, do you have any uh, more questions for him? No, you see, I, I watched you. I was hopping back in and out, you know, with uh, with with work going on and shit like that, and it was kind of loud where I was. So it's like, you know, I, I I got bits and pieces of the show, but uh, for what I did get, it was always educational and always good. So I do appreciate you being on here tonight, bro, and fucking spreading the knowledge. Yeah. So thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Appreciate brother. that a lot. Truly. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I hopped back in like probably four or five different times. You know, I mean, from uh, from when he started the stream. So I was like, I caught bits and pieces, but for what what I did catch, it was 
educational, <clears throat> beneficial. So I think people's fucking, you know, and you answered a lot of questions that were just going on in chat too, which was really, really cool. But it was more, um, was more um, chat related and stuff like that, which is pretty cool too. So yeah. it's a little, it was a little bit, a little bit of a different show and, um, but a great one. Good job. Thank you, bro. Yeah. People like Jimmy. you are the heartbeat. I say that yeah. you guys are the heartbeat, you know, creativity of today's uniqueness. Flora is the same. Fumi is the same. All you guys that do the breeding, create these new things to come out. Hey, not everything's going to be a friggin' hit. But you know what? You're going to find some gems, man. And you're always going to look for that next one. And I mean, well, it's, it's sometimes it's like when you're on the rabbit hole, dude, it ends up being some of the best conversations you'll have or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just go from one thing and like he was talking a lot of things about the Romulan where it's breeding, you know, and different aspects to look for and, and you know, why he wouldn't pick this and why. And I don't think a lot of people touch upon that about their, well, you know, like what they see and they want in, in some kind of a, you know, a, like a phenotype, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you touched upon that, which was really, really cool. And you like, you know, and Fumi fucking came back with different questions about that shit, which went to another rabbit hole, which was fucking great. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hell yeah, this is, this is getting good. I like this type of shit where I'm like, asking the question in my head and I'm listening to it and you guys are already fucking answering. And it's like, wow, this is fucking cool. It's, <laughs> it's To me, it's my ADHD mind wants to fucking wander off in a bunch of different directions. Mm-hmm. You guys kind of yeah. did that a little bit. It wasn't like too much like where it's like, and you're like, oh, whoa, that was like 50 topics. It was like, you guys stayed on a certain scheme and it went that direction. And I think it was uh, very beneficial for anybody that's actually growing out there and fucking new growers senior growers, whatever growers, bro, just to know about certain genetics and certain aspects of what people who are breeders look, you know, look for. Oh, and Koski. What happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, come on, fucking Flora. I always gonna throw something in there. So, he said <laughs> the shit that Honda Civic drivers, you know, say. All right? Well, I fucking give him that. Motherfucker. Anyways. Uh, Honda Civics. <laughs> those fucking cars last forever. They're not the most Yeah, they do last forever, but no, he... So it was a little inside joke. He sent me a fucking thing with what, what Honda Civic drivers say or whatever else. It was like a meme type thing. And it was a bunch of fucking funny shit. So I always, I'm not letting them let it down. Now. I have to be honest, though. I want to say that Honda is a little bit of a cult. Like I've never had a Honda, but everyone <laughs> that I've known that's ever had a Honda, like it's kind of a, uh, have you met my yeah. Honda? It's named... <laughs> Have you fucking met my Honda? <laughs> hey, my wife has a my wife has a nineteen ninety nine Honda Accord. It's got, dude, uh, those things three hundred thousand dude. They last forever, yeah, right? Lately, we've had to sink a lot of money into it, and it's time to get a new one. But she's had it for about four or five years now. So, oh my god, but, the wait list um, yeah. for new cars is like years. Apparently, the wait yeah. list for a new Toyota, what is it, their minivan? This like uh, fucking a year and a half. Sequoia? No, I can't remember the brand. Yeah, maybe it is the Sequoia. No, it's like five years for the fucking minivan now. Fuck out of here. No way. I'm like, wow. I was thinking about bitch. that. So does that mean that you buy it? Can I pre-order? Logically, this must be true. I would just pre-order, bro. No, okay. this must be true. I was thinking about this. This cannot be true when I think about it, but it must be true. You buy a car now and you wait five years for them to deliver you a five-year-old car. Because Fuck, logically, yeah. they're not going to make the, the, you the a 2020 whatever the fuck. They're going to make you this yeah. one. 
they're gonna make what you this one from this date, from so this you, fucking time. How this the, inflation I don't understand. Rate. And then you keep paying you're the gonna, car payment oh, for five no, years, like no you basically way. pay it off yeah, before they send you an old car. They send you an old car, you're a five year old car with a fucking put a bow on it. With one more year of a lease on there. Was the bow You are right about that cult thing though. You know, it's a culture because we have strangers coming up, especially the younger. So some of the younger people and they come up and they're like, oh man, I got a 2005. And they're like, just start talking about us about their, their Honda Accord or, or uh, it's usually the Honda Accord because my wife has one. Uh, one kid came over from Walmart. He worked there. He just bought one. He, he sunk like five grand into it. So it was, you know, kind of souped up and everything. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it is like a cult. A cult. Dude. It's like a fucking bad Yeah, bro, listen. I, yeah. And hers is loaded. My head is, she, hers is loaded. Da, da, seats, da, 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 da. Fucking a Tokyo oh, Drift song. By the way, first first poll of the day, finally. What nice. time we got on East, East Coast? Yeah, it's Oh, 128, bro. You fucking hit that yeah, shit, man. Bro. Yeah. I haven't, nice. Hey, man, I haven't, everybody. I haven't smoked a blunt in fucking almost 11 days, so I'm good. That's right. You're not smoking at all now, are you, Koski? Um, I have a, I have a cot right here, but um, I'm but like <laughs> I, I'm I don't really have bud right now, and I'm not growing right now. I I had to cut all my shit down, dude. Fucking everything stopped. I can't afford like like I was just saying to Charlie. Uh, it's you know a fucking you know to, to justify four months worth of my time for four thousand dollars. It's Dude, fucking no, way you can too buy much, a ton of, And when you think about it, if you're growing mostly for yourself, maybe you're growing for some of your friends as well. But if you were growing mostly for yourself, that's four thousand dollars of weed you could buy at the store. Like you're, yeah. you're you know, when, right. when it becomes that expensive, you have to actually reevaluate: is it worth growing for yourself? I, I it's, it. it's not at, at sure. the time right now. It's not until I have a nest egg built up where I can fucking justify where I can throw fucking four thousand dollars at something, you know, pay it off. You know, throw it in an account. Have the money taken out of there, whatever else, and I just based upon that, I got to cut the kilowatts down, bro, because it's just like it's not worth it. It's it, it literally isn't worth it. They just made it so much harder where it's not worth it, and it's very disheartening to me because it's one of my fucking benefits of uh, you know, of growing is you know my my own mental well being, and I feel as if that's a, a huge huge part of it. Like I don't even care about everything else, you know, a pound, two pounds, whatever. If I know I can make the money back, but I don't. It's not about that. I just, it's more or less about my well-being. So now I have to put my my spare time, which is not very much nowadays, but um, something to keep me still, you know, coherent with my social life. You know, being on YouTube and you know, and I'm not doing anything like that. That's it has to do with that. So now I have to redirect my life a whole bunch of ways. So I might uh, just I might build up my. I have a bunch of stuff, little projects I can do. Which is, uh, it's winter time right now, so it's hard. So I'm like, you know, it's just like the days are short. It's like everything just comes up into like one big fucking shit show. It's like, damn, man. So yeah, I'm, to stay I'm staking out. I'm going to start staking out like, you know, in March, I'm going to start taking some hikes, see where I might be able to get some outdoor going. Cause that's, uh, oh, hit me up, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Why are you down? Of course, bro. All right. Yeah, we'll talk. Sure. Because I'm, I, I I'm going to need doing, help. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'd love to do that with you, Broski. And I mean, no, let's you're do about it, bro. the only person I can think of that I would ever even think about. I think I know the area. I don't want, 
I don't want to interrupt too much, but I got I got to no, hop please. off here. Yeah, right on, man. Oh, dude, it's like the the show was about you, man. It was an uh, absolute yeah. pleasure. Yeah, honestly. thanks, man. Uh, and you, by the way, you're welcome back anytime uh, as a guest or yeah, as please uh, come uh, back as a guest or as a guest. However, that's it was, it was, it was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, guys. You guys, I'll probably be in a little bit of trouble for how long I was on here. Sorry, <laughs> I probably shouldn't do it next week, but we'll do it again real soon. Right every on. couple weeks. See you soon. Cheers, Romulan. Good to see you. It's a pleasure meeting on you. It really was. Yeah, yeah, right right on. On. Thank you, guys. Thanks Thank for having me. Peace, man. Thank you very much. Let me show his uh, webpage, ladies and gentlemen. First, maybe his Instagram. Yeah, yeah it was a fucking great, uh, great fucking show, super bro. Nice great. Guy. Oh, I know. Yeah, really great nice show, show guy. Yeah. Very well spoken, very intelligent, very very thoughtful. Right. You can you can see that he yeah. can you can hear that knowledgeable, knowledgeable. Fucking, yeah, yeah, super knowledgeable. Yeah, not like not not a bullshit artist, like just fucking right. speaking the truth. You know, right. not not some guy that's like, yeah, bro, I'm trying to sell my seeds and stuff, man. Or try to throw big words out there, is you know, to impress, as they say, and yeah. it sounds. Like I mean, bullshit. some people can it's do like, that shit you know, and make, and make yeah. it sound like fucking gold, but other people, you know, some a lot yeah. of times it doesn't work out that or, way. Or they make it sound just like straight. Bullshit. Right. <laughs> and when they stop doing that, right. It's just, you know, just like, talk like, like a normal person, bro. Be you. Like all oh, you guys on the fucking panel right now. I mean, all, all fucking. <laughs> Excuse all, me, I feel as if we're all pretty knowledgeable and not even throwing big words out there just to be fucking. Yeah, we don't need to. With everything. You know, we just, we just. Yeah. I think experience speaks a whole lot. You know, and, yeah. And just Plus, we don't know it all. We're humble the... enough. Go ahead. So, no, we don't know it all. Yeah. That's all no, I was saying. Course. We're humble. No. Well, we try no. to be. Anyway. I, I try to be humble as arrogant. Yeah. Froga gente vos Summer, 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 summer,